0: bring it in read option back after a long long eventful kind of weird and chaotic weekend of football both in college and the nfl some killer games some teams that got Quite literally, almost killed. Uh, based off of it, the state of Colorado had a had a rough uh, had a rough weekend. Uh, but lots of fun stuff to going on. Scotty still out in Italy exploring, getting ready. World Cup starts up uh, this week, or not World Cup? The um, well, the World Cup of uh, rugby is going on, but right. the Ryder Cup, Ryder Cup's going on. So Scotty's going to be there for like the first day of that. I think he gets back on Wednesday. But our other international traveler has returned. First time on the pod not being sick in a while uh, is our good friend, Brian San Vito, how are you, buddy? I wonder how many people on the podcast who
1: listen to the podcast really know your full mate. I hope none. I hope this is the first time they've heard it. Uh, yeah, my real name is Brian. Please call me Vito for the rest of my life, everybody. <laughs> but uh, wild, dude. Wild. Do you want me- so, so, so well, okay, let's, I was in let's... Paris- Let's, yeah. I, I want
0: to set the stage here because Please. you've had, you've had a wild, wild five days, six days. I mean, what, how long were you, you're were in
1: Paris for like a week. I was, yeah. But I would even say the last 48 hours of my life don't seem like they've, it doesn't, I want to, like, there are things I want to go back and just say it was a dream. There are things I'm like, no, let's keep this. This was real. It, I just, I can go through the timeline here in a second, but it's, uh. It's been absolutely fucking insane. I think this is a fair way to put it.
0: Yeah. You're questioning your sports fandom. You're also feeling like you're more positive about your sports teams than you've ever felt before. Um, there's a whole lot going on in that mm-hmm. brand of yours. So I asked you, we came on, and you and I were, were bullshitting a little bit to start, and I, and you were just, the the word the word vomit, the diarrhea of <laughs> the mouth was a-flowing. Was so uh, I said, hey, I said, you know what? If we're about to record. Let me go grab a beer, and you write down some of the thoughts that are going on in your head. Make a little checklist: one, two words for each thing, so you can so we can catch the people up, and then we can go into
1: some of that before we get into the weekend's games. Yeah. So, um, just to set the stage here, uh, I got for my dad for his birthday slash Christmas uh, tickets to the Ireland South Africa rugby match. They're in the same group, but they are one versus two in the world, and they're in the same group for the Rugby World Cup. Everyone knows they're both going to make it out, but whoever wins that game has an edge up and whatever. How did that happen? How did the number one and number two teams end up and in And number same? five. Number five's in it too, and they have no chance. So Scotland's out, and they're a good team, but they have zero chance of getting through, which is kind of sad, but hey, whatever. Um, that we, seems uh, like a mistake. It is. They're, it's really bad. Uh, but hey, that's how the, the draw, quote-unquote, went. So yeah. uh, anyway, so that game is Saturday night. We go, I sent you a video, Irish people outnumbered South Africans, probably at least three to one, I would say in the stadium, wow. maybe worse. And these drunk guys were just screaming chance the whole time. It was amazing. A lot of respect Love for it. the Irish guys. All of them were borderline hammered to where they couldn't walk. <laughs> all of them. And they all were fine. Like those guys are professionals at drinking. A lot of respect yeah. there. Yeah. So that's my Saturday night. Um, and I'll get into the results here, but I, I want to give a timeline quick, if that's cool. So that Please happens, do. get back to the hotel at midnight, one 30, uh, then at one 30 AM is when Penn state started in Ohio state. End up staying up, watching those till like four or 5 AM. Uh, flight was at eight, eight thirty. 30. I boarded. So then went to the airport, boarded, got You just home. pulled all nighter. Yeah. Cause then I just slept on the plane on the way home, landed at like 1145 noon. Uh, landed got up did all my fantasy team put some bets in did all that watched red zone on the train down to philly from newark watched football all day yesterday uh woke up today uh just got to cleveland like five minutes before we started recording this or probably like 10 whatever it is so yeah anyway I'm still wearing the same clothes I put on in Paris because also my place is being renovated. I didn't send you this. I have no bathrooms. I have no running water. I have no kitchen. I had to go to Whole Foods across the street to go to the bathroom yesterday, uh, down the street to a bar another time. Anyway, so it's been a weird, almost delirious 24, or 48 hours. But here's my list, okay, of, of sporting yes. events here in Paris. We'll start with that. South Africa can win the World Cup. They lost 8-3 to three against the number one team. They're number two technically, but they're defending champs of the Rugby World Cup. They had four missed kicks kicks are worth at least uh, well three for a regular like penalty kick. Then two Mm -hmm. for like their extra points or two basically missed one of those and three main kicks. Our kicker is out. He's coming back easily can win that game. That was awesome. Penn state elite. Uh, Iowa had 290 more punt yards than offensive yards, which is an insane stat. Um, Both the fact that their punter is really good. And that offense sucked. They had two to four first downs. I saw different things. Um, Irish people are insane and dope Uh, Broncos worst loss of my fandom of any sport ever Vance Joseph shouldn't ever be in the NFL ever again Uh, Taylor Swift on a football Sunday. I loved it. We went right to that. Uh, I also hated it because like, I thought we had a moment earlier. I've said on the pod, but whatever, we'll get past it. I guess her and Kelsey had a better one. Um, And I have no idea what was going on. I ended up just going to bed early on Sunday. I like, the longer time is set in. I, everyone knows I'm a historian of football. I love the history of football and the fact that we gave up the most points since 1966, since before the fucking first Super Bowl was played. Like this yeah. is ridiculous. This is embarrassing. Um, this defense, given a lot of guys went down during the game, Justin Simmons and Josie Jewell, so our two leading tacklers went down. Still, uh, Sertan got burnt a few times. Like there were the second, like a lot of things happened, but that's basically the rundown. Um, the Ohio state game, obviously like late again, at, for me, like four 30 in the morning, my dad's sleeping in, in the other bed. And I'm just like freaking out, trying not to wake him up, but we gotta go to the airport in like an hour. I, I don't know, man, a lot happened. Uh, I, I don't know how I feel about anything. My mind wanders from one to the other uh, pretty quick. And like, I got like, just the fact that Taylor Swift was around the NFL is huge for me. You guys know how much of a Swifty I am went to her concert. Like this whole thing is everywhere, man. And I don't know where to make it. So I'm glad you're running the pod and I can just word vomit when you ask me to, because I, like my brain is spiraling and I don't know when it's going to get back straight. Yeah, no, uh, lots of, lots to take in there.
0: Uh, I hope our listeners listen to that part on like a half speed on Spotify. <laughs> sorry, our sorry point on- No, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, I mean, I will say this positives. You did an unbelievable job timing to get, from paris and like stay up early or stay up late get on the plane fly back watch all the college football overnight so that way you could sleep on the plane back wake up not feel too jet lagged and then be able to immediately go into watching football on sunday and on the train down but to go from paris to new york to philly to now cleveland in roughly what like 36 hours yeah um is uh is quite the achievement my friend. So, I didn't think about it
1: like that yeah. yeah. But
0: yeah. Uh mad mad respect on the on the scheduling uh forefront which obviously you do a lot of travel so you're not you're not new to that world. Uh but plenty of respect nonetheless because that's definitely uh the hardest part about scheduling this stuff is just coordinating the timing of that shit and you got to do it for stuff that you care about like wanting to watch football and catch up in all the games. Um positives, right? We're going to start with or do you want yeah, I'm an negative? optimist.
1: I'm an optimist. Let's start. Positive. Okay.
0: So we'll start positive. So we'll start with positives. So positives. Penn state looks really, really good. Mm-hmm. Um, the Brian Ferentz contract stipulation about 28 <laughs> points a game or what? 27, however points it is, is just, it, just aggressively getting funnier and funnier each passing week. Um, let's see. Oh, Oregon, Oregon. Fucking awesome. They're your number two team in college football. So both your top, your top get yeah, two teams in the top 10. Love that. When they both inevitably, Don't make the college football playoff, maybe they can play in the Rose Bowl and that'll be super fun for you. Maybe they'll
1: (laughs) maybe they'll meet again. Optimist. Maybe they'll meet in the college. There's enough negative coming off. Yeah, let's say they're meeting in the college football playoff. Maybe. Yeah. Who knows? Sure, maybe, maybe anything's possible.
0: Uh South Africa's kicking ass. Yeah. And the World Cup. Love that. Love that for you. You were in Paris. Yeah, watched the game live
1: with my dad who had never, it was just a good that was a really cool thing. Yeah, Paris was amazing. Uh way better than i thought it would be olympics coming up a lot of stuff if you guys are thinking about whether you should go or not i would i would do it city set up good for tourists and and there's a lot to see so love that love that
0: love that paris fantastic world Cup normandy experience. america
1: fuck yeah world america, War II, amazing look yeah look at
0: us who'd have thought paul yeah, Rudd. Who'd have thought? you're welcome um, yeah you are uh that's okay they sent us a, a green lady so everything's cool now everything's copacetic yeah um yeah uh and what other positives i i mean for you taylor swift positive
1: yeah for me just love seeing her in the nfl like around uh i know well,
0: that well we're gonna get into a full because yeah. you know we yes. we've never agreed on this it's yeah. uh, it's probably the highest point of of uh of arguments between us Easily
1: the highest.
0: I would say, yeah, that and and because and, I think I've even backed off on the Penn State thing enough that it's, it's Taylor Swift and then everything else kind of follows that. Um, mm-hmm. but for you that that is a win. Um negatives
1: the Broncos fucking suck, dude. They they might be the worst team I've ever watched. Like that's the worst game I've ever seen by any team I've followed, but they might be the worst team in the NFL by a decent margin. And we'll find out next week playing the fucking bear. This is going to be so bad. Okay. It's
0: very, it's very reminiscent. And again, not to say that I might, again, it's still early. It's only three. It's only week three. It's only week three, plenty of time to turn it around, make it a, make it a solid season, plenty of time. Uh, but it, it does, it does remind me a little bit of Bill Parcells when he went to the Cowboys, and had drew bledsoe and you're like look this guy at one point highest paid quarterback in the nfl rocket arm franchise quarterback storied franchise head coach that's won before everybody loves this guy and uh and who was the offensive coordinator of those teams Sean payton so it, Mm -hmm. it seems like we're seeing a little you know a little daddy issues from sean payton where he's trying a little too hard to be like uh his old man there bill parcells but um yeah, that part sucks, but all that other stuff. I mean, I think the pros way outweigh the cons here.
1: Vito, that's, I, nice. I, that's nice. That's I, uh, nice. I would say, and, and here's another thing. Here, here's the plus. Even though we lost by fifty fucking points, which is the most outrageous thing I've ever said in my life, it's still only one loss. It's only one. It's it it the third just in a row. Much as a one point loss, though. Yeah, 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 yeah. All losses, you know.
0: That's a very that's. That's the worst and saddest moral victory I've ever heard in my entire life. That's, that's where I'm at, bro. You're
1: correct, but that's where I'm at. Like, let me say this too. In the rugby world cup, it's funny. You get, you get points for wins and loss, right? Like you get points for wins or ties, but there's a thing called a bonus point. If you get so many tries in a game, like if you score enough, even if you lose, mm -hmm. uh, you get a bonus point. Uh, I'm glad that doesn't exist in the NFL this week. Let's just put it that way.
0: Yeah. 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 All wins are all wins and losses count the same. Right. No, mm-hmm. no pictures on a standing board. Right. On the standings. There's right. no pictures on the standings. You know, if they're if if you, if you look at the standings, they say, oh, and three. But again, that that, that doesn't matter. The 70 point performed that doesn't have anything to do with this. Um, it it again,
1: honestly, it, it's get it gets worse and worse as time's gone on like right after it happened i was like i just turned this off this is ridiculous whatever and then i was like oh i love history oh we're on the wrong side of the worst loss in the modern era like arguably ever like honestly probably ever yeah with with the amount of money we have in this team and the fucking hate it how did i get here i anyway so why don't we do this all right why
0: don't why don't we because again positives definitely outweigh the negatives for you i think as a whole, right? Over the yeah. last over the last the last 48 week. hours. Even weeks like week. I
1: gotta keep keep Paris and, and a good time with my pops over there. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Yeah. It was great. You know, way thank more you. positives yeah, thank than you. negatives. Thank the you. negative is really, really bad, and it's
0: your favorite sports team. But again, down here, it's there's you got all these positives, and all the negatives are are are, are right here. Um, so here's what we'll do. Since we're already talking about that game, the Niners. we're gonna go talk about Thursday night football. The Niners are very good. The Giants, I think, might suck. I don't know. That might be the thing I'm most wrong about so far this NFL season. Um, Daniel Jones is terrible, and that team's terrible. Um, in fairness, no Andrew Thomas, no Saquon against a, arguably the most talented roster, probably not even arguably, probably the most talented roster in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Probably wasn't gonna happen. So, you know, chalk it up. Niners win that one. I don't think there's a whole lot to get into. It's it's old history at this point. Mm-hmm. So now we can talk about Sunday and we'll just jump right into the the, the Broncos and and, and Dolphins. We'll rip it off like a bandit. All right. We're going to do it right now up front. It was a one o'clock game. All right. So we can we can do it in the early slate and boom, it'll be done after that. Okay, Um, they looked really bad. Uh, The Dolphins, on the other hand, looked very good. Right. And we could we could break it down as just as simply as like the speed, the explosiveness Tua playing lights out the offensive line, the creativity of Mike McDaniel can take all this stuff to me. And this is going to sound so dumb. And I know people are going to listen to this and think I'm just trying to be contrarian, but I swear I'm not. I almost like, I'm almost not that crazily impressed by the dolphins. Like to me, like when you have crazy outlier moments in sports, they are really, really big outliers right they are freak of nature things that happened they are every single possible possible thing that could have gone right went right and that's how we got there right it's not necessarily representative i think of what like the people coming in on monday being like the dolphins are the best offense we've seen since the 99 rams or you know whatever and all this stuff that we've heard over and over and over again It's not that I'm not impressed. I'm incredibly impressed. Tua has been fantastic. The offensive line played way better so far throughout the season than I thought. The the defense who frankly I've been a little disappointed with so far with Vic Fangio has been really solid. You know, he was, they were bad against the chargers. They were better last week against new England, but that offense is still terrible. And then the offense was so explosive here. That's like, I still don't love the Miami defense, but the offense is so fucking good as long as everyone's healthy, that they're going to continue to win games. I went through that thought experiment. And then I remembered that Jalen Waddle didn't play in this game. And was like, Holy fuck. They did that without Jalen Waddle, which bumps up the impressiveness even more. So I'm not trying to be the guy that's like overrated and things like they are very fucking good. They're the best offense in the NFL that we've seen so far this year. I don't think that's particularly close but I'm also not going to read in so much into this and, and bring the takeaway of the Miami Dolphins are the best offense we've seen in the NFL in the last 25 years, and they're going to continue to put up 50 points or more on a bunch of teams because I just don't think that's realistic. I think the Broncos, and I said this to you guys in the beginning of the season, I think the Broncos defensively, their roster, outside of Pat Sertan and Justin Simmons, there's not a lot to write home about. And be like, damn, this, off, this defense is really, really good. Right. They lost. They chose not to keep the defensive coordinator there, who was the leader of this team, who is one of those young upstart guys. He's now in Carolina. And though a few you know bumps yesterday with with the Seahawks, that defense has been pretty good. And that defense has kept them in a lot of games already. Whereas the Broncos defense and Vance Joseph looks like tissue paper thin. They somehow lost that game against the Raiders week one. Then they turn around and get 37 on them. Was it 35 or 37 by the Commanders? 35, 35 on them by the commanders who Mm -hmm. we watched them go up against the bills this weekend and look absolutely terrible. And I, I just, I don't think that defense is particularly good. I think it's one of the worst defenses in the NFL talent wise. And I don't think Vance Joseph is doing a good job of getting that team to where they're supposed to be or to get up to the level that they could be playing at. I watched Alex Singleton fly around the field for three years in Philadelphia. That dude will put up a ton of tackles. He's not a good linebacker. He's fast, he's aggressive, but he's he's a guy that you can kind of trust to do there, but he's probably not a top 15 linebacker at his own position, right? So we're not talking about a ton of talent there. We're talking about somebody who you can put there and at least trust not to blow coverages. In this game, they got blown off the ball at the line of scrimmage. They got lit up in the secondary. There are multiple times where Tyreek and other guys are all around, but the Dolphins did this through the running attack right? They did it through bully ball. They did it through, we're going to break off crazy long plays and the snowball effect of what that does to a defense of another big play, another big play, not to challenge or accuse anybody of not playing hard, but I think it's human nature. When you get down 30 points in a game, you're not hauling ass to catch up to guys. You're not hauling ass to to chase somebody down from behind. You're just not. And I, that's why it's like, it's not that it's not impressive. It's incredibly impressive. But also, I want to see it be more consistent because they didn't look that amazing against New England. And they didn't look like world beaters, like we're talking about them now, against the Chargers. So like, I, I want to see a little bit more consistency in terms of like, let's see them replicate this. Let's see them do it again and again. And if by week eight, they're averaging 30 plus points a game and they're just lighting guys up left and right, Then I'll, you know, I'll sit down and say, all right, hey, I was wrong, but I just want to see it first. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. I mean, I I think from my standpoint, I was just watching again, to your point, the line was incredible. They were breaking off runs left and right. We were unorganized. There were guys just, they were so fast and (laughs) we were so unorganized. Like every misstep looked so much worse because, if you were out of position by literally one step, it was a touchdown for them. I mean, both their running backs had four touchdowns, which is insane. Um, I saw a Achney because he wanted to change his name from a chain, like or how people were saying it. I didn't really get yeah. that. Um, uh, how do you? I, I don't know if you saw that. You're better. I, I think than it's I a chain, a Cheney, a Cheney? Yeah. A, Cheney? A, cha- I, honestly, a Cheney. I honestly, I don't know. It was a, Cheney. a Cheney? And yeah, anyway, a Cheney? so yeah. Point is that his performance yesterday uh, is up there with two other running backs in NFL history. Uh, One of them is one of my favorite players at running back ever, Gale Sayers. And the other one is actually uh, Clinton Portis. um, Mm. Who's a Bronco before he traded him to the for champ. But um, what I saw to that again was, Hey, we scored 20 points. So let's start there. Broncos like Russ, actually, it was not his worst game I've ever seen him play. Uh, He tried. We had some turnovers for sure. Um, But I'll say this. If we scored 20 points last game in all our games, we had 12 wins. So let's start there. Okay. We, we are um, fair. Offense is better than it was last year. Defense. I went back and looked at this. So Vance Joseph was our coach in 2017 and 2018. And in those, um, in those seasons, our worst, lost or our worst defensive performance was actually against the Eagles in 17 which is fair cuz they won the super bowl but we gave 51 to them um you know there were a couple other bad ones but then when, when you get to uh 2018 um we actually were pretty solid defensively again so like i was a little surprised but this is an outlier even for Vance Joseph even though we fired him and i didn't like him um uh, shocked that this performance was given up uh, we talked about it leading into the game that Mathis, our other corner, was the worst cover corner in the NFL, opposite of Pat Sertan the second, and Pat Sertan the second also had a terrible game. He got burnt twice, just straight up burnt. So the effort—he's had a rough start to the year, though. You know, I mean, I, I he
0: he, and I think well, part his of His first is, game was
1: great. His first game was great. It just tailed off. To your point, like this is yeah. this is man, this is brutal. Um, this is the worst. As a, co- All right, so I want to back up again for a second. I'm sorry, listeners, but you got to understand this about me. I love defense. Uh, if I was to ever coach, I'd be a defensive guy. That is where like, I've always cared more about defense and offense. It's just always been where I care about the game. And to see your own team have the worst defensive performance in over 55 years is a uh, difficult thing to swallow. And again, it gets difficult more and more. There are no excuses. In my opinion, this is an instant firing. I know Sean hasn't said it. I'm telling you right now, if this happened, like think about any business, if you have the worst, whatever, in 55 years, you need to send the message to the team that this is unacceptable. And yeah, maybe that's using somebody like Vance Joseph as a, it's uh, kind of a, you know, a sacrificial lamb, but you got to do it. I think this is unacceptable. Now that would then also give Sean Payton an, an image, right? He's three games in with this team, this whole roster. So he's in a really unique spot. He called himself the worst, maybe the worst coaching job in NFL history, and I'm glad he did because I think it probably is. And uh, it goes to him too, right? Which is hilarious because that's exactly what he said about Nathaniel Hackett over the summer. Isn't it? I I wish, honestly, I I hope Nathaniel Hackett, they ask him about it. And I hope he goes off because he deserves to. Absolutely. Even though the Jets were also fucking trash, but that's a little bit more manageable. The Broncos were Zach two and Wilson, one.
0: The Broncos were 2 and 1 to start the season last year. People forget.
1: Yep. And
0: oh you know? and 3. So and I, I, I there's man. there's things here, right? Like I thought through the first two games, like I actually thought we saw a slightly better version of Russ than we did a year ago. Week 1, I, he, week 1 he was ranked in like the top 7 or 8 in terms of quarterback ratings um for week 1, week 2 he dropped down to like 25 um, I forget I have to pull yeah. up PFF right now to to fully no, double he,
1: check. No, you're right. And he was averaging like basically between the two averaging, he was like halfway, he's a mid-tier quarter. He was like 17 after two games averaged between the two. Yeah. Which and
0: is, is, is right, I'll take it. roughly where he was last year, maybe a little bit better. Like there were still some moments that seemed good. The the whole the thing is here, right, is I don't think you're ever getting through to Russ. I don't. I, I really don't. I think the best thing you can do if you are if, – if I'm a Broncos fan, if I'm you, Vito, right now, mm-hmm. I'm sitting there going, is there any team desperate enough for a quarterback that would take the cap hit and would be willing to take on Russell Wilson? Because it's it's not like the NBA where you can take on a bad contract and stash him on your and bench and you have to fill up to get to the cap floor. So, so you know – I'm trying to think of a good example, but like Evan Turner at the end of his crazy contract that he got, or Luau Dang, you know, and ending up in Portland and Minnesota to just sit on the bench and f- as cap filler. And then you're used as cap filler throughout the trades because all that money's guaranteed. There's no viable way without a trade for the Broncos to get out of this contract until 2026.
1: So you'll, you'll like this yesterday. I've obviously had a lot of thoughts about this. My one of them that came up yesterday was, why don't we just cut him, pay all the luxury tax issues, go off, pay all. The, our owners are rich as shit. We have the richest owners in, in football right now. Uh, The that family that owns Walmart. So pay, pay everything you need to and just restart and tank this year. I don't care. Get rid of them. To your point, I don't think you can trade them. The first thing was funny is like, do the Jets want them? You think Nathaniel Hackett would want Russ back? But they can't. They can't. They couldn't take it with the contract to your point uh not after paying Aaron so like th- there's all this stuff that is just so frustrating but I would rather like hearing him talk in the post game press conference like there's a lot of you know there are positives we can look at like in there who's going through stuff and it was like dude shut the fuck up like <laughs> you know what I mean this is not the game and he was talking offensively and there were some good things but I don't want to hear it also we scored 20 points we had a kick return for a touchdown so we scored 13 really um this is terrible. Uh, Again, the worst loss I've ever seen, let alone to one of my teams in any sport. Um, I think this needs to be, you cannot have a performance like this and expect that everyone keeps their job. That's just for me. And maybe I'm a little bit um, quicker on the trigger than most, but to me, this is a, uh, this is a massive deal. This is maybe even like demoting captains and changing Like This is a, you need to shake the organization. And uh, I don't know how we're going to do that. The fact that we play the bears next week is quite frankly, so lucky. It, we have to win that game. If we lose that game, I would even say you, you just restart everywhere. You get rid of Russ, you get rid of everybody, maybe keep Sean Payton. Cause he's like, you know, four games in maybe. And you just, have to keep, you
0: have to keep Sean. Yeah. Payton, right. Because yeah. at this point you've signed, you've signed him on. It's a long-term, it, it is a long-term rebuild. Like, you had a one year head coach and now you're starting something new. Like think about what the Houston Texans are doing right now. Right. They want one year coach, one year coach. We're signing a young head coach who's going to learn. They're going to struggle. They have draft capital. They're going to try to build out from there. Right. When you, when you sign on to somebody and commit the time and the money that the, that the, the owners gave Sean Payton, you have to. And like, look, I, I'm not sitting here saying like you're doing the bill Parcells comp saying like he's going to be washed up because Bill Parcells wasn't terrible in Dallas. Like, they were decent for a, for a three years before he finally, mm-hmm. like, just his health and age and everything got to the point where him and Jerry split ways, and that's when they hired the Clapper. But I think Sean Payton, at this point in his career, still has plenty of really, really good coaching seasons left. You know, what's he in his yeah. uh, late, early 60s? It
1: hey, looks.
0: Um, I mean, coaches are so hard to tell with age. You could tell me any number and I would yeah, say, sure.
1: well, Pete Carroll is just, that's he's, the one. Yeah. him and yeah. bill both, both kind of skew that, but I would say this. So he's 59 and, and wow. to your point. He's got, he's got years left. Um, He's got, he's, I mean, that, that could be a
0: whole nother 12 to 13 year run. Right. In mm-hmm. four or five years from now, we can be talking about, man, remember when Sean Payton was, was dealing with Russell Wilson in the beginning of that, yeah. his time here. And they, they give up 70 points and it's like a nugget in a major playoff game that Ian Eagle drops on the CBS <laughs> game, you know, uh, in, in the divisional round, like there's, there's a very good chance that something like that is going to end up happening with, with Sean Payton, because I do think he's got plenty of really, really good coaching ahead of him. You have yeah. to get rid of Russell Wilson. You have yeah. to figure out a way out. And if you want to just look off the PFF grades, Russell Wilson was the third highest ranked quarterback this week. (laughs) It's
1: crazy, right? But that's also because they were down 30, right? You know, that's because they were completed a lot to your point. Like he, he tried to, he, he, I wanted him to have a worse grade. I wanted him to push it more and he didn't. And, and to your point. So that's when sometimes the grade doesn't reflect, you know what I mean? What actually happened? Wow. 23 of
0: 38 for 306 yards one touchdown one pick how is that get see like and that's where like the PFF numbers are are good because there's all these other advanced stuff that get calculated into their overall passer rating yeah. um the PFF passer rating but yeah man i mean all even but even like his offensive grade still puts him at number 3 He's still number three behind Mahomes and Tua, so That's Mahomes, crazy. Tua, and Russell Wilson, right? But, of course, the eyeball test tells a completely different story. But to me, it's it, it's the number one thing there is you have to figure a, out a way to get removed from Russell Wilson. like and, and obviously, like, the defense is bad, right? But there are, like you said yourself, injuries, the is not working there. That was a mistake by Sean Payton. You should have kept the young guy who was doing a really good job with mainly the same roster. Exactly. Like, it's not like there was a ton of turnover. It's the the roster is
1: mainly the same. the The biggest difference has been a different scheme. So, and I'll say this: so just to change it up for a minute, because I do think, listen, we're trash and we deserve to be shit on. But the Dolphins had an incredible game. Incredible players. There, something special is going on there. To your point, are they the greatest team in NFL history? Let's pump the brakes there. It's week three, but. Do they obviously have the ability to score every time they get the ball? Yes, uh, they do. They didn't punt until late in the fourth quarter. Um, yeah, they scored t- ten touchdowns, which is insane. I saw that I don't know if anyone else saw the tweet, but there's a family down in Florida who like they're sell- they It's like two kids, a guy and a girl and the parents and their family tradition is They take a shot every time the dolphins score. And oh my they were God. like, it was a picture of them hammering. And they were like, we're rethinking the family tradition after this one. Like, can you imagine ripping 10 shots with your parents in three hours like that? That's going to be a rough one, uh, for sure. But I, I did want to put this out there. So, um, we had some bad games last year for sure. Right. We weren't great. Um, but it took us about halfway through the season to give up seventy points, um, so uh, yeah, I don't know, it's man, like this took a little over. This was like three and a half quarters
0: to score <laughs> seventy points. I, I mean, look, it's it, that, and that's what I'm saying. And going back to the thing about the Dolphins is not to say that the Dolphins aren't going to be very, very good this year because they are. It, it's apparent there's a couple of things, right? Primarily, you have to make sure that Tua stays healthy. Because I know Mike White came in and looked good, but it's also easy to look good when your team is up 50 points, right? So, obviously, like, his health is a really, really big, important piece of this. Health in general is a big piece of this. Um, but I think it's important to remember that this is a literal statistical anomaly. Like, this is something, there's not been a team that has scored 70 points since the 1960s, all right? This is like pre like pre-cold war <laughs> like we are we, it is it is crazy to think about how long it has been my no dad, cell
1: phones no internet no my, one had computers my, my
0: dad was four years old the last time
1: a team yeah. put up
0: 70 points in an nfl game so yes it sucks yes it stings but if i were you the way i would rationalize it is 100 as just this doesn't happen in the nfl and it's just one of those random weird days where everything
1: clicked and worked out well. right? Last thing I'll say about it is that the worst part was watching Red Zone because it was like, hey, we're losing by like 40-something in like the third quarter early. This is bad. Mm-hmm. and it just kept being cut in with them scoring massive touchdowns because of the like, history yeah because yeah. of the
0: history aspect. It, you're like jesus fucking christ dude every, just keep watching
1: was wild for red zone to just because usually write those games that are blowouts like, oh and this guy scored and it was a run-in at the end no it was like oh here's another 60 yard touchdown by the dolphins here's another 40 yard touchdown by the dolphins and it was like man this is uh well going back and like looking
0: looking through the i don't want to keep rubbing in but like there were so many points scored that like you, I started to forget touchdowns and like shit that happened. So <laughs> as I'm like going through the box score Dan, I'm like, didn't they have at least one like special teams or defensive touchdown or something? And they didn't, there no. was zero, there was no punt returns. There was no kick returns. They just scored 10 touchdowns. Um, the whole thing is very odd. It, it felt, you know, the whole Mike McDaniel grew up in Denver was a Broncos ball boy and all that stuff. Uh, definitely got factored into it a little bit. But it was a crazy game. Obviously, the Dolphins, uh, they're, they're fucking good, man. They're really, really fucking good. and And none of this is what I'm saying is to detract anything from how good I think that they are as a team, because I do think they're really good. But I also think that this is as much of an outlier as you will ever see in the NFL. So instead of everyone coming in and throwing down a ton of praise right off the bat, like it's like, all right, let's recognize history was made. This is fucking incredible let's see because it's like kobe dropped 81 you know he never shot he never scored over 70 again in his career not to say that kobe wasn't fucking incredible he was one of the best players of all time but he also it's like that outlier is an outlier for a reason because it's damn near impossible to ever do that they had it in this game you bet i guarantee you sean payton is going to take a literal vcr tape get the game printed onto it go on to like etsy or something and find a used you know, film machine to to print the game onto it and then burn it at the next practice to make a statement. Because Sean Payton's all about those weird, symbolistic shit. You know, he gave everybody uh, he put uh, was it rat or, or mouse traps and everyone in New Orleans rock lockers one time, so they so they wouldn't take the cheese when <laughs> they right. were they were playing really really well and everyone was like, what what the fuck are their mouse traps in our lockers? And they're like, because Sean Payton doesn't want you guys to 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 bite the cheese. So. All right, fine. Um, yeah, I mean, absolutely brutal. You hate to see it. I'm very sorry. But again, more positives than negatives for you right now.
1: More positives I love it. I than feel negatives. Be- I feel better than I thought I would getting that out. Okay.
0: Therapeutic. Okay. Yeah. Let's, uh, all right, let's, let's, we got that to bed. We gave it the time it deserved. Now we'll talk about the rest of the games. Um, there were a few really fun games in the first. Uh, the, the NFL did the stupid thing that they always do a few times a year where they put nine games at one o'clock. Yeah, super, super dumb. And yet it was here. Thank, Luckily, we had all the Taylor Swift shit to keep people distracted from the fact that there were only three games going on in the uh, in the late afternoon slate. Um, but out of the early window, we had some good games. So we'll start with the good games and we'll work our way back. So we have uh, one overtime game. We've had a few overtime games so far this year. Um, and one of the biggest I would say that probably the second biggest upset of the day the Indianapolis Colts, with Gardner Minshew, nonetheless find out a way to beat Lamar Jackson and the Ravens. Um, this was a weird game, I and mean, look, the weather here was was miserable over the weekend with the uh, tropical storm coming through up the East Coast. But for a Ravens team that's like expected and like their ex- expectations are high, this is a game that you just you can't lose. This, especially given the chance that you had the best kicker in football lined up with a field goal and you could only get him to 61 yards. And I know they've lived with that luxury for a long time, but he can't bail you out every single time. And with bad weather and everything else, he had to make sure that the kick got off without a hitch. You know, if that's in a dome, that's probably a t- that probably goes through with, with a few yards to, to, to spare. But this is a, a big loss for a team that I think a lot of people have very high expectations for. Obviously you and I both do. Uh,
1: this is a bad loss. Yeah, to your point, it's my Super Bowl team. I mean, I, I don't know what's going on here. Again, they had, sorry, I did see this. Seven defensive starters were out yesterday. That's just hard in terms of just number one reps and guys playing together. But you can't come out uh, – defense wasn't the issue. You can't come out and, and score, again, less than 20 points and think you're going to win. Now, Lamar didn't have a terrible game. Uh, It wasn't terrible. But you fumbled twice. And, uh, you know, penalties only had one. So, like, you you think of it as a coaching thing, right? You go down, all right, do we win the turnover battle? No. Shit. Uh, were you we terrible on penalties? Not really, actually. Both teams punted a bunch. Uh, both teams just didn't get it done. I don't know what to say. I mean, Lamar was her leading rusher again. Um, Gardner, did, I wouldn't say outplayed Lamar. Uh, I, I think everyone just has Pat, that picture throw, of him. Throwing the ball. Throwing the ball, I think he did. Uh, probably, yeah. Uh, threw it a lot more, 13 more times. But I, I just think that this game, when you look at it, you're like, man, you got to get the ball in the end zone, Ravens, and you got to figure out a better way to do it. Uh, the fact that they couldn't really get Andrews involved in the red zone was kind of shocking. um Like, dude, you have to balance a run attack with your tight end going over the middle, put pressure on the linebackers. Didn't seem like they did that. Uh, you know, I, I don't know what to say there. Um, shocking the score. I mean, I like Gardner Minshew. I like this, but especially with how well, um, uh, Richardson, Anthony Richardson was playing coming into this, like, and then he was out with the concussion. Definitely thought they'd take a step back. I think a lot of people have, this as like the lock of the day, if you, you know, all that stuff. And man, just, just shocking goes into overtime. Um, listen, sent out the Tyler. It was close. Uh, we had some punts back and forth. Um, the problem was that you know the- you probably wanted to drink that much anyway after what happened. Yes, with oh, I will, yeah. I wanted a tie, so it was the only thing I could save the NFL. Well, and Taylor Swift, but still, um, you know, it was it was one I really wanted to your point, and and really disappointed we didn't get it. Uh, they were able to drive down, get a couple firsts, and and get the field goal. Um, yeah,
0: I mean, and look, it, it's it's very 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 important to know the Ravens are absolutely decimated with injuries and it's week three. And remember that at the end of last season, there was the anonymous survey where players graded, you know, their, their facilities, their coaches, you know, amenities, training stuff. And the Ravens strength and conditioning got an F got an F and the Ravens decided to keep them, which is a hundred percent on John, John Harbaugh. Right. I remember saying this with the Eagles a few years ago when Doug Peterson was still in charge. I was like, this cannot be just coincidence all the time, because even the year they won the Super Bowl, there was injury after injury after injury for the entirety of Doug Peterson's run as the head coach of the Eagles. And as soon as he leaves, all of a sudden people aren't getting hurt anymore. Right. A new facility, new staff comes in. All of a sudden people are getting hurt anymore. There is a correlation. Neither one of us are, you know, trainers, athletic trainers. We can't speak to the details of it, but some things are just very clear in black and white. And the Ravens have been the most injured team over the last three years. And it is not even remotely close. And if you look at the list of injuries that they have right now on offense, J.K. Dobbins, Justice Hill, Gus Edwards, Keaton Mitchell. Those are four running backs, just running backs. Then you have OBJ, Rashad Bateman, two out of your top three wide receivers, and your fourth wide receiver, Tyler Wallace, your best offensive lineman in Tyler Linderbaum, your uh, starting offensive guard, Andrew Voorhees, your arguably other best offensive lineman, Ronnie Staley, and their long snapper got hurt. But how the fuck does your long snapper get hurt? On defense, Marlon Humphrey, Demarion Williams, the starting, their best defensive player, and then right behind them, the guy who's replacing your best defensive player, Trayvon Mullen, three corners down. Marcus Williams, your starting safety. Adarius Washington, your backup safety. Uh, Adafi Owe, their best edge rusher. David Ajabo, their second best edge rusher. Malik Ham and Tyus Bowser, who are also edge rushers and guys that they need at this team. They have no depth on the defensive line. They have Patrick Queen and, and Roquan Smith, but they can only do so much from the linebacker position. You're banged up in the secondary. And what did the Colts do? I mean, Yes, they threw the ball 44 times. They also ran the ball 35 times. Like the Colts didn't win this game because of Gardner Minshew being unbelievable. In fact, Gardner Minshew almost fucked them in this game by running out of bounds at the end of the game, pulling the Dan (laughs) Orlovsky, which I'm sorry, Dan Orlovsky, no matter how many people do it, everyone will always associate it with you. There is nothing that will, you might be happy to have more guys in the club with you, but everyone's only going to remember you, Dan. Especially now that you're on TV, everyone's only going to remember him. They, when they got into the red zone, pounded the rock. And there was nothing that Baltimore could do to stop it. They ran outside zone. They ran, they forced Roquan Smith and Patrick queen to play sideline to sideline, which is the only thing you can do against a deep, like there are only two good defensive players were those two outside guys. And ultimately the, the Colts offensive line won them the game when they needed it most. And, We should Matt Gay just being absolutely nails four field goals of 50 yards or more five for five in total. He's the only player in NFL history to have four or more field goals of 50 yards or more Uh, having again, which is ironic because they're playing the Ravens, right? Like having a kicker be that nails for you is is huge. Gardner Minshew did exactly what you want a backup quarterback to do. Keep you in the game. Don't turn the ball over. Ideally don't run out of the end zone, but other than that, he didn't have a turnover on the day and make a couple throws when you need to make a throw. And all of a sudden, like the Colts are winning this game at halftime seems like they're going to let it go. And they figure out a way to win it at the end. And and they got the one touchdown that they needed. And Mac gay was nails. Like that's, that's ultimately what this came down to. If you're Baltimore, I don't know what you do. You're down. You're three out of your five starting offensive linemen, including your two best offensive linemen. Lamar even tweeted – a quote tweeted a list on Twitter of all the injuries, the ones I just read off of, of him going like this, matched with a painting of like an old-time like 1400s or 1300s painting of someone making the same like expression. He, there's nothing he can do. There, the, I mean, and I also – I feel like I'm disappointed so far based off of this offense. Like I was like, all right, week one against Houston – didn't look great i thought when they brought in the new offensive coordinator we'd see a little bit more creativeness utilizing those wide receivers we saw a couple flashes but even with all the injuries and i know there's only so much you can do with backups i just i felt like through the first two weeks i was like all right like this should be a week where we see it kind of all come together the injuries kept adding up and the Ravens are stuck here at two and one, looking like they're going to be in the exact same position that they were in this time last year, which was a team that looked good early, had high expectations and ultimately fell short. And if you're the Colts, like this is a good thing, kind of, because like you win, but it's also, you're not with your rookie quarterback who you want to be giving reps. You want him to experience these wins and Gardner Minshew is out here, like proving that you can beat pretty good teams With this roster and obviously Anthony Richardson has this giant learning curve that we need to account for but, you know, for as much as I'm excited about what I've seen out of, uh, you know, Anthony Richardson, the, the overall like this was an ugly weird game, and the Colts found a way to win and I think if you are a fan of the Indianapolis Colts, you look straight to the source as to the biggest reason why I think the Colts won this game, and that is Shane Steichen and the coaching staff, because the players went out and made plays. I'm not taking anything away from them. But honest to God, like, you have to feel so good about having Shane Steichen as your head coach. The Colts are 2-1 and with a rookie quarterback and a backup quarterback and have beaten, you know, obviously Houston, not a great team, but they proved to be somewhat frisky this week too, and we'll get to that game in a little bit. To me, so much of this was a brilliant coaching plan knowing you didn't have Anthony Richardson, a coach who has such a good in-game feel. And that's why he was so good as an offensive coordinator and a play caller with the Eagles, because he has an unbelievable in-game feel, knowing what your roster can do, finding out the weakness of the other team. And then when the opportunity strikes, hammer them over the top with it and some kicks went in. And that's how the Colts pulled it off. But it was a, it was a really good win. And if you're the Colts, I think you're excited about the future. Just based off of what we saw out of Shane Steichen and that coaching staff alone. Uh, All right. The other really, really fun game in the uh, early window was Saints Packers, which uh, obviously shame to see uh, uh, Derek Carr go down. Um, That does mean we get to see Jameis, your boy. Yeah, I I know you're excited, but uh, yeah, definitely a bit of a bummer. Um, I feel like with a week of practice, the Saints offense is going to look really explosive. And then
1: they're also going to turn the ball over four times. Um, I hope so. <laughs> I hope so. Because you know how it is with Jameis. It's either guns out or he's checking down. And I do want to say that everyone reserve your judgment on Jameis until he gets a week of practice in this offense. Okay. Like just take a step back.
0: It's it's hard. I mean, it's hard. I mean, look, he was, it's not like he went in there and was fucking terrible. I mean, you, anytime you have a quarterback thrown into a game like that, there's only so much he can do. I mean, 10 of 16 for hundred yards. It's not terrible. It's not great. He didn't get any help, right? The, the biggest issue with the saints team, the offensive line is like middle tier, not great, not terrible. And Chris Alaba is really, really good, but they're not getting a ton of separation or explosive plays. Kendry Miller's looked decent at times at the running back position. There's still another week away from getting Kamara back, whatever we end up seeing out of Alvin Kamara, but the Saints were trending in that direction for a couple of years when Kamara was carrying this team on his back and putting together unbelievable plays. I don't know if they're going to be able to do that. I don't think Kamara is at that point of his career where he can do that anymore. Um, and I know, look, they were 2-0 and going into this game, but I didn't think they looked particularly great in any of those games. The one thing I'll say is I think the Saints' defense is legit. I think the Saints' defense is very, very good. Uh, three quarters of a shutout. You give up 18 points in the fourth quarter – You hate that. Like, no question, you hate that. But you also have to give credit to Jordan Love, who made the throws he had to make towards the end of the game, and this Green Bay team that never felt like they were fully out of it. Green Bay also still doesn't have Aaron Jones. They still don't have Christian Watson. So what we expect to be the two top skill position guys for Green Bay will be back next week, Um, hopefully next week at least. Uh, Aaron Jones still might be out a little bit, but at least Christian Watson should make his debut this season. And you hope that that adds a little bit of an additional explosive element for this team, but this was another game that was just ugly. It felt like it was there for the saints to win. Like this is a game. Mm -hmm. You're up 17, nothing going into the fourth quarter. You shouldn't lose that game. And ultimately between injuries and then that whole team kind of feeling like they were in shock because their car went down and didn't never came back out that, you know, they didn't really have much of a chance to to hold on and the defense was going to have to do it. And I mean, look, you hold a team to 18 points in the NFL, you expect to win that football game, right? We talked about that with the Jets and with the Broncos last year. If you're the Saints, yeah. you're like,
1: you you have to at least get to 20 at some point in this game. Agreed. I, you know, props to Jordan Love for coming out. Like, listen, he had, a, he had a, probably the worst first half of any, well, not any, worst first half maybe of any quarterback um, of the weekend. Uh, uh, Zach Wilson is something I'm thinking, but either way, very bad. And he came back and just absolutely performed at the end of the game. Very hard to do, um, you know, to get out of a slump like that mid game. Um, it was impressive. I thought that he pulled out the win. This is a win that green Bay rallies around this is a game. They should have lost to your point. And the fact that you get the dub, it's a really big team builder uh, for, for everybody, especially as a leader coming out and making the plays towards the end, the two pointer, a bunch of different stuff to, to really get the win. So, you know, props to green Bay. This is big to get to two and one. It's wild to see also the Saints are two and one. But, um, you know, this is when we're almost at that quarter pole in the season. Well, it used to be exactly a quarter pole. But once you get through four games, you can kind of tell where teams Don't are say a little that. bit better. Don't say that. Why would you say that? I still uh, haven't
0: gotten a full Sunday to just sit and watch all of Red Zone all day. I haven't gotten that yet this year. I've been traveling so much and I've had different things. I haven't been able to just sit and watch football all day. Don't say that dude
1: tell everyone you have covid you get two weeks two sundays to just sit at home okay everyone
0: just so you know right
1: now jeff has covid
0: week week five is is my date that i can do that because i'm going to colorado this week which i'm excited about it's gonna be a lot of fun but uh unfortunately we're, we're gonna be there on sunday so i'm it's gonna be it's gonna be week five which is you know hey it is what it is it's life it gets in the way sometimes but um Yeah. I mean, so let me ask you this though, because you are right. Like we are, we are getting, we're three weeks in three weeks is interesting because it's not a big enough sample size to fully understand teams that are really know who's good and who's not good yet. You get a little bit of idea, but then you also play the, um, uh, Oh, what's the thing in math? The, um, this team beat this team, but this team beat this team. Oh, so transitive
1: property. Transitive Love property.
0: It. Thank you. Yeah. yeah we're, so we're in the midst of like peak transitive property season. Yes, you know, we are. It's like, this team beat this team. This team lost this team. And so, okay, so that means that this team's worse than this team. It's like, that's not how it works, especially with week one still being mainly preseason for most teams. Um, but with all that being said and, and throwing that caveat in there, the Packers and Saints feel like they are both teams that are kind of on the same level within the NFC, right? Which is that... They're both teams that have things that, like, I think the Saints defense is legitimately very, very good. I think the Packers' offense, when they're all, everyone's healthy out there and with Matt LaFleur calling plays, can still be very, very good. And I think the defense for the Packers has been really solid. There's been ups and downs so far to start the season. Who of these two teams is more likely, in your mind, to end up being one
1: of the seven teams that makes the playoff come the end of the season? It's a good question. Um, my instant thoughts are, there's two thoughts come to my head. One, somehow the saints division is harder than anyone else thought. Um, yeah. and, and number two, green Bay has the experience all over the team. Whether you say Jordan love has it or not starting. I don't really care the way he's performing, the way he's leading that team. I'm impressed, uh, better than I thought it would be. So I'm going to go green Bay. And I think, uh, with how their lines playing to your point, how they're running the ball without their starter. And uh, and what they're doing all over there, um, again, uh, yeah, Christian Watson's still – like, there, there's a lot of guys they're going to get back, and a lot of teams are like that. But they had a decent performance against the Saints team who, yeah, they lost their quarterback and probably would have lost if if Carr stays in. But you pull out a win. And in these games, like we talked about in the Broncos a little bit, but, like, at the end of the day, it's the same as blowing a team out. And squeaking out a one-point win can sometimes do more for your team than winning by two touchdowns comfortably. So, yeah. Uh, i'm gonna go with green bay i think this is a big uh, galvanizer for jordan love
0: yeah i i i'm i also agree i think it's green bay and the thing is i don't think it's particularly close and, and i am not even factoring like the Derek Carr injury i know he sprained his ac joint he's gonna be out for a while especially on his throwing shoulder like that's a pretty tough injury for quarterbacks to come back from um i think defensively i i honestly i don't think the Saints' stevens is that much better than the packers Offensively, I think the upside of this Packers team, especially come October, November, and December, like getting into the meat of the season, I think is only going to get better. Um, and, and I, and I the, this is the biggest thing. No one wanted to give Matt LaFleur credit based off of the success that the Packers have had because everything always went to Aaron Rodgers. Matt LaFleur is a damn good head coach. He went like, what was it, 28 and 4 in his first two seasons as, as a head coach in the NFL? Like, I know Aaron Rodgers won MVPs those two seasons. So like, I get it. But Matt Lafleur is a really, really good coach, and I trust him to continue to develop this offense. And as much as like, come you know the Super Bowl, come playoffs, like defense, the importance of defense goes higher and higher. So much of the regular season is like, can you outscore the other team? Like the the, the NFL is so heavily slanted towards offenses that I'm going to take the team in the long run with the better offense than the team with the a, a worse defense uh, or the better defense. And on top of it too, I think the Packers' defense is good. Like they played yesterday without jair alexander who might be their best yeah. all-around defensive player right so I, the more i see this team and, and the thing is too is the saints offense is abysmal without rashid shaheed returning that punt for a touchdown we're talking <laughs> about a 10 point offensive performance from the saints in this game uh which is not does not both give you a ton of confidence and of course the Derek Carr injury plays into that but they've been pretty media the game against the titans um uh, who else did the Saints uh, and then they lost to the Falcons in week two. Right. So in both of those games
1: or was that uh, the Panthers? Pan- No, they beat the Panthers. uh They beat the Panthers, yeah, beat the Panthers on Panthers Monday night. Yeah. Yeah. Both so, close games to your point. Both were both close under 20 points like yeah. not. And, and neither one of them
0: were great offensive showings. The Titans obviously are a staunch team. Um and on the other side too, the Panthers defensively are, are a lot better than people, you know, yeah. expected going into the season. Uh, not everybody I did, but that's cool. Um but, but I just I think this Saints de- offense is very bad. And and Jameis might be able to spark some life into it. Um he he's, he's definitely gonna push the ball downfield unless Sean Payton, you know, beat too much out of the that out of him during his time in New Orleans before uh Dennis Allen came in. But uh yeah, I mean from a roster standpoint, quarterback, defense, everything else, I feel like these two teams are both in similar spots. I, I would trust the Packers moving forward. And, and in fact, I, I kind of like watching, I kind of enjoy watching the Packers. I, I honestly do. And and I like Matt LaFleur, I I I think he's one of the more underrated coaches that we have in the NFL right now. Uh all right, the last really good game of the one o'clock windows, we have the Chargers and Vikings which I dubbed on the last pod, the, uh, Spider-Man meme bowl, where it's just, we're both the exact same team pointing at each other from across the way. And somebody was likely going to have to win it though. It would have been so perfect if this game ended in a tie. Um, the chargers finally kind of felt like they got a little thing. I mean, Justin Herbert was incredible in this game. Uh, the numbers were through the roof. Amazing. Uh, I, I don't know if you saw, uh, Uh, Adam Schefter confirmed earlier today what what a lot of people thought Mike Williams torn ACL he is done for the year Um, so already one of his weapons uh, one of Justin Herbert's weapons is gone Um, but they did draft Quentin Johnson so they have the rookie there and um, they love going to the tight end so far in this offense I mean Darnold Parnum through three weeks has three touchdowns already for this team he had two on Sunday (laughs) Uh, But the stud on this in this game was Keenan Allen, who had an absolute career day this late in his career, Uh, 18 catches for 215 yards. uh, And let's keep in mind a 49 yard touchdown pass as a wide receiver, which was fantastic. Uh, The one thing that would, I guess, be concerning and look, no Austin Eckler in this game. That's two weeks in a row. um, They basically said, hey, you know what? a week after the Eagles put up 250 rushing yards on the, on the Vikings. And you think, ah, this is how you're going to beat the Vikings. The chargers went, no, no, no. We're going to throw the ball 48 times.
1: Yeah. For 460 yards. Yeah.
0: Which, Hey, it worked out. All right. 445 yards. That's impressive. It says a lot about where this Minnesota team is as a roster right now and kind of where they're looking at in the future. They had two receivers go over hundred yards. Mike Williams, unfortunate injury but 121 yards for him that's going to be a big loss it's he's never had like a season-ending injury like this but like it is the mike williams thing like as much as you hate to say it because you hate when guys get hurt like you know it's it sucks yeah. but justin herbert i mean look if keenan Allen's is going to continue to get separation and find ways to get open and he's going to get 20 targets 18 of 20 ca- targets he caught uh I mean, the Chargers have no shame in just saying, hey, we're just going to throw the ball a million times to Keenan Allen and we're going to force you to double cover him. And then all of a sudden, Josh Palmer and Gerald Everett and Quentin Johnson, these other guys are going to get opportunities to get open. Um, But that being said, if you told me, hey, Justin Herbert went 40 for 47 for 400 yards and three touchdowns, only give up one sack in this game. How many points did the Chargers win by? And I probably would have said 50. I probably thought that that's the team that scored 70 points in a football game. Uh, Instead, it was not. It was uh, a four-point win against the team that the Chargers need to beat. And talking about, like, immediate firings, if the Chargers lost this game, started 0-3, which they very well could have done, I think you can, Brian Staley – Brandon Staley – and again, like it's so early in the season, but this is year number four for Brandon Staley. Like we or three or four, like we've
1: seen, yeah, we've seen dude, it from him. We know what he's about. I personally think you still fire him. Uh, this is a hot take. I'd fire him after this game because that call to go for it on fourth, yeah, um, was awful he's uh, on their own side they their defense had done pretty well all game given it's the it was the only fourth down they didn't convert they got another one they were five of 11 on third down like this offense was good and I just that's not a good coaching decision to put your defense in that tough of a spot when they were performing pretty good all day but it's not your strength and somehow he still thinks it is and this dude is I just got to say like making fucking idiotic decisions all over the place and making it harder for his team to win. He is not making it easier for his team. And they're winning almost despite his decision-making. I think you just say, listen, clearly the offense is the way we need to go. Let's just move on and, uh, and give it, um, oh my God, what's his name? The kid from Dallas, the coordinator from Dallas. Oh, Kellen Moore. Thank you. Kellen, like just give it to Kellen Moore at this point. Boise state, baby. Yeah. And maybe they just say, you know what? We want someone else to deal with all the BS so he can just focus on offense. Then name an interim, like do something else and bring it. Like, I don't care, but this guy, like Brandon Staley needs to go. And it's never been more clear to me that, to your point, they're almost just waiting for these dumb losses to happen to fire him. Like, skip it. You don't need a reason. You know what I mean? Just get rid of him. Clearly, everyone knows where this is going. Give it to Kelmore and just move on because. I think the whole team would be better off for it.
0: Um, They they will. Like, I think ultimately there's going to be a loss that comes up in the next few weeks for the chargers. That is just going to be fireable. Like it's at this point, because the thing that sucks with him too, is it's the consistency when he first got hired, Right. When he first was hired as the as the head coach of, of the Chargers that first season, like they were going for it on like fourth and eight and they were just constantly super aggressive and it was working and it was like, ah, oh, look at the wonder kid. Look at the young kid in here. Ballsy analytics. Go for it on fourth down. And everyone loves it when when it works out. Right. Like everyone always loves that kind of aggressive play when it works out in your favor when it doesn't work out in your favor and over the last couple of years, since he's slowly started to tail off, he's become less aggressive. And then when he mm-hmm. does do it, he, it has not turned out. So it's like be one thing or the other, right? Be Belichick and be willing to punt from your own 47 yard line. Don't be, or like, be super aggressive and go for it, like in plays like that, but do that consistently. Like, be like Sirianni, like, be like some of these coaches who aren't afraid to go for it on fourth down because you believe in your offensive quarterback. Because that not only relays a message to the fans and everyone else that you're inconsistent, that you're not sure, but imagine being in that locker room. Yeah. You know, like, imagine being there and you're like, damn, like, our coach doesn't believe in us. Like, right. like, or do what he or does? Not? Is like, do you? Do you yeah. not? Like, There is no consistency with that, too, and that's part of a young coach who's obviously a very smart football mind who I think the biggest knock, and and we say this all the time when young head coaches get hired, is like, are they ready? Are they ready to be an NFL head coach? And in, in this case, Brandon Staley had one year as a coordinator, had only spent two years in the NFL. Like, he wasn't ready for this. He wasn't, as opposed to guys like Kyle Shanahan and McVay and even McDaniel who have ties to the NFL going all the way back to their childhood and their teenage years who've been around the game and have done nothing but obsess over it. And I like Brandon Staley. I honestly think, like, he'll get fired and he'll become, like, the best defensive coordinator for whatever team chooses to hire him. Like, I, I, I genuinely like Brandon Staley as a coach. He wasn't ready for this opportunity in front of him. And if you are the LA Chargers, you look. Hey, we just gave Justin Herbert this massive contract. Keenan Allen's getting older. We're like in this win now min- window. And honestly, they kind of passed the win now window because they didn't win. They made one playoffs and they blew a massive lead during that playoffs. While Justin Herbert was still on his rookie contract, he is off that rookie contract after this year or after next year because he's got his the fifth year extension that kicks in. So. Moving forward, you need a coach who can get the most out of their guys. You need someone who you can genuinely trust to get in there, which is why I said from the get-go that Sean Payton's mistake was going to Denver instead of waiting another year until Brandon Staley gets fired so you can go work with Justin Herbert. I guarantee you, just Sean Payton moved out to L.A. He was working for Fox. He was doing stuff out there. Like He would have much rather stayed in L.A. and worked with Justin Herbert than not. Positives for I- the Chargers? I think Kellen Moore is genuinely making a difference. I think there's an aggression and there's a creative side to Justin Herbert where he is no longer Mr. Robotic. You have to throw here. You have to throw here. It's slow in that process. It's going to take probably a full season for him to start to get that creative juice, you know, like really up to the level that it can be with his talent. Um, So that part of it's, you know, a, a good sign but with all the names and, and all the the pieces that, you know, they brought in, I mean, they gave JC Jackson $60 million and he's been, he missed all of last year mainly. And then this year
1: he's been, you know, fucking absolutely terrible. I I personally think to your point at the end of the year, you brought in Kellen Moore, which was a great hire. And I think you got to look at it like this. If Kellen Moore is going to get head coaching opportunities, You'd rather have him stay on the team and get rid of Brandon Staley. So just do it now, do it mid season, get this done, because that's the guy you want leading this team. That's the guy you can't get rid of. Like if you said you can keep one or the other Brandon Staley or Kellen Moore, I think every player, uh, this is an outside perspective, but it seems like every player would rather have Kellen Moore right now. So just keep him and move on from Staley. Maybe they're giving him some time to get used to everything, but it seems like that's where it's going. I mean, hell, it seemed like that was what was happening in Dallas before he left there. So, I, I don't know, man. He's the guy that everyone's going to want. And if they don't give him a head, the head coach spot, some other team will.
0: Yeah. I, he'll definitely – if Staley gets fired midseason, he'll definitely be interim. Like, you would just imagine, like, that's just what they're going to do and see if they can turn it around at all. Um, but so many of the problems here on the defensive side of the ball with this team too. So, um yeah, it'll be very interesting to see uh, what what happens here. Uh, on the other side of this game, the Vikings, um, I mean, I think, look, so many of the bounces they got last year in the 50-50 games, the, the one possession games, the stuff that, you know, really, really matters for them, um, they got all the bounces. And so far through three games, one possession losses each game. I mean, the Eagles game wasn't really close. Um, like I know it technically was like an eight-point game to finish out, but um, but it wasn't quite or was it a six I don't know. it was a one possession game but it, a lot of stuff would have needed to happen it wasn't like a true one possession game mm-hmm. um but if it's you know what your know, one possession game like it still is what everyone's going to focus on with the stats and everything um but i look at this this roster as a whole it just feels like it's it's just time you know sometimes in sports you have a team That's just like, it's just time. All right. Like we've gone through it. It's been there before. It's just, we're ready for the next step. We're ready for the overhaul. We're ready for the new quarterback. They've had their good runs. This dates all the way back to case Keenum even right in the year that they went to the NFC championship game and lost the Eagles. Like it just takes some time to get to that next spot. And they're just not there. Right. They're just done. Like they went through a big run. They've already started to move on with some of the pieces. It's the last year of Kirk Cousins. They might try to move on from him after the fact. I don't think they're going to, but they might. Um, and we'll see, you know, uh, ultimately, like he's not going to be the quarterback for them next year. And the Vikings are weirdly in a spot where like, Hey, you're zero three, maybe we can figure out a way to, to you know, wit- find our way into Caleb Williams territory. Right. You know, you yeah. might be able to, you trade, you trade, uh, Kirk cousins and you just kind of move on to the next thing. Um, but yeah, I mean ultimately what's crazy though. So I don't know if you've noticed, uh
1: Justin Jefferson's really good at football. Dude, the fact he had like what do you have 149, seven catches, and a tutty. Does he Dude. get injured by the way? Is he okay? I haven't seen if he's been injured or not. Well, I was gonna he, he limped he? off. Yeah. Um, let me let me get the update here because he limped off at one point, which was insane. Um, uh, because like again. He's insane at football. Yeah, he's uh, super, super good. So and, it was and just cramps. It was just cramps. Thank God. Okay, okay. good.
0: Uh, he is currently averaging 152 yards per game. <laughs> 152 yards
1: per game in the NFL. That's setting the record. I mean, just so everyone knows, that's easily the record in the NFL for scrimmage yards, running back, or receiver. If he keeps that up, not, not even, he's on pace for 2,500 receiving yards.
0: How many, so far he's got 27 catches through three games. So 27 and that's a nine catches a game, but you do that over 17. He's like, yeah. So 153 catches for 2,500 yards and how many touch? he's got four touchdowns already. Oh, wait, no, sorry. That was his first touchdown of the year. Sorry. But still, that was like, his
1: first that was his first touchdown of the year. But that would set the record for receptions for yards. Again, touchdowns will come. Yeah, touchdowns but, will come back and forth. But like the fact that they're
0: 0-3 with a receiver averaging 152 yards per game is just is just fucking insane. It is it is absolute fucking bonker balls crazy. Yeah. And he's he's fucking good, man. He's fucking good. Really fucking good. Um, all right, let's take a quick break. We'll come back, we'll hit the rest of the shitty games from the early window, and then we'll tackle the uh, the afternoon games and Sunday Night Football on the other side. All right, so we went through the best games of the early slate. We still have uh, the other games, which they weren't all, like, terrible. Um, some were relatively close, but really, really ugly games, and some weren't that close, but were somewhat entertaining games. So uh, we'll start off where you are right now, Vito, the Cleveland Browns. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Jumped to two and one on the season, 27 to three victory over the Titans. And their defense is really, 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 really good.
1: Um, They're incredible. And Miles Garrett is probably the best defensive player in the NFL. Um, so hard to say, dude, every week. I feel
0: like you can say someone
1: else. Yes, but this guy. So I, I was watching this game a lot, actually. Um, God, I love the new Octobox or the. Well, each four boxes and I have two TVs for the oh, uh, on the YouTube TV for the Sunday oh my God, ticket. It's amazing, dude. So yeah, I got to get the ticket. It, so they, uh, I'll tell you what, like there was a play, Miles Garrett, um, Tennessee has the ball. It's running down. It's right before halftime. They have like 12 seconds left to run a play. So it's like, Hey, three-step drop, get the ball out. Right. Like, Either hit a guy or you're throwing it out of bounds, and most likely the guy you can get up and maybe maybe spike it. So probably like touchdown or out of bounds. They're on like the fifteen or twenty, and at three steps back, Miles Garrett already has him in a full grasp. This yeah. dude took the tackle and Miles Garrett with tackled two hands both of them, tackled them both. This dude is so good that he had three and a half sacks in this game. He had two and a half by halftime. Including that one, this dude is an incredible. Uh, and Deshaun actually. The offensive side just played pretty well 27-33, almost three hundred and two and two tutties. Um, didn't lose the game. Amari Cooper finally showed up big time. But the storylines is defense through the first three games of this season, and they are an incredible defense. Now, again, Titans offense hasn't looked great, but Derrick Henry less than two yards per per carry. I mean, they were obviously down a lot. Tannehill was not good. Um man, this defense is special. And I think a lot of people uh, are really, really pumped here about what they can do. And and damn, man, they're looking like, again, a consistent defensive unit. It's early, but damn. Yeah. I
0: mean, I I would say this too. I don't, I mean, you would think Cincinnati would be considered like a legitimate high powered offense, but like, we don't know if that's true so far. Uh, And even still, if we, do believe that to be true? Like they are a really, really good offensive team. It still has taken a little bit, right? It's still it, in the last couple of years, it's taken them a few weeks to really kind of get the offense rolling. Uh, not mm-hmm. to mention Joe Burrow injured, plus has had very minimal, you know, basically no training camp and limited practices to begin with. So you do want to give credit for Cleveland, even though we don't know how good Cincinnati is. I think Cincinnati's offense is still going to be really, really good. But Ultimately, like it's it's going to take a little bit of time, right, to kind of see everything, you know, play out. And the Browns deserve credit for what they did in that game against Cincinnati. And week one, the weather was so shitty that kind of skews in the favor of the defense. But regardless, I mean, this defense is like record setting for as impressive as the Dolphins have been offensively. The Browns have been just as impressive. And I don't think they've been crazily tested so far. Obviously they lost that game on Monday night and they look good defensively doing it.
1: But they have four turnovers. Like, you
0: know, yeah, the, the, the offense completely fucked them. That defense is crazy. I do think it's worth, I mean, the, the, and the AFC North is just loaded with talent. I mean, TJ, Watt. like you're talking about how good miles Garrett is. Like TJ Watt has six, has six sacks through, through three games. I mean, he's on pace to have 35 sacks right now, which obviously he will not. You know, maintained throughout the whole season, but I mean, TJ Watt's been just as good as Miles Garrett, and that just shows you the level of sick defensive players we have across the NFL right now. Uh, all things considered, like it was Deshaun's best game as a, as a Brown, mm-hmm. um, and it's a game that I kind of expected them to come in and, and and win this game. I know I picked Tennessee just because the Titans have covered three so many times, and they did it through the first two weeks of the season. Um, but, I mean, it's, it's not just the, the pass rush. It's the run defense. It's the, the coverage on the back end. It's, I mean, Denzel Ward going around making plays. Grant Delpit turning into a legitimate, like, high-caliber starter in the NFL. This team, even without Nick Chubb, which we didn't get a chance to talk about that, you know, it's, it's a devastating injury. They bring me in Kareem Hunt to fill in some of that void. Jerome Ford, the running back out of Cincinnati, second-year player for, you know, last, he, he didn't really see the field much last year. He had a really, really nice touchdown play this game. Um, And I also think it's at least worth noting that, like, the Titans' offense is shit. But they still were good enough to win a game, and they still probably should have won two games to start up this season. You would expect them to be at least a little bit better than they were. And I think that's the telltale sign of a really, really good defense. It's not necessarily playing really well against really good teams. It's do you just put bad teams away? Right. Do you hold them to less than 10 points? Do you get five or six sacks per game? Do you force turnovers like that to me while also eliminating the scoring side of it is a, is the tall tale sign of a really, really good defense. And they didn't let the Titans fuck around. They didn't let Derek Henry fuck around. They didn't let Ryan Tannehill have time to even get the ball to Deandre Hopkins or, or any of the receivers there. And there's not that there's a ton of weapons, But the Browns beat a team that they should beat on that side of the ball and they beat them thoroughly. What was encouraging here if you're a Browns team is that Deshaun Watson actually played better. The Browns were able to run the ball. The offensive line looked a lot better in their second week without Jack Conklin. Amari Cooper continuing to turn into like the next version of Brandon Cooks where it's like he's going to play for a few more teams and he's just going to quietly put up a 1,000 yards in another season. It's a great win if you're a Browns fan. It's a great Mm -hmm. win. And – there should be optimism. And obviously you're there boots on the ground. I'm sure there's plenty of it.
1: Yeah. I mean, there has to be right. Like uh, the defense to your point, knows they're good. The Pittsburgh game, I think you throw out divisional, right. There's a lot of things in that. Um, again, four turnovers, you, you're not going to win that way. They uh, I think they have a re- real, shot. If they hold on to the ball, run it well, it seems like Deshaun was at least efficient, right. Wasn't making too many mistakes this game. And like, if he plays like this, you're going to win. If you can score 20 to 27 points, as a Browns offense, you're going to be okay. Uh, your defense is, is that good? And I think that's, um, you know, they're going to be in the top tier defenses. It seems like this year and and hopefully, you know, health to them and that they get through it all. So, um, yeah, man. Yeah. I mean, so far Geno's, or, uh, Geno's with so Deshaun
0: Watson ranked top 10, or he was 10th, but ranked 10th, uh, in quarterback passing grade by PFF, uh, I mean, look, if, if he's going to be playing that well, which isn't even top tier quarterback status, if he's just playing that level, they're going to win a lot of football games because the defense is going to be really, really hard to score against. And the offense seems as though they'll be able to continue to run the ball because it's not like the Titans defense is some slouch. Like the Titans have a really solid defense. Yeah. Um, and you would have thought that the, you know, no Nick Chubb. Now, part of this could be the whole like, hey, let's go win one for Nick Chubb type of game. And they're another team that, like, I, I'm happy for Brian. I mean, I'm not really happy deep down, but like in terms of the football side of it, I'm happy for Browns fans that Deshaun Watson starts is starting to look a little bit better. Like it, it, it's, it's a good thing, kind of, you know, um, for at least for for Browns fans who enjoy football, just from the football side of everything, it's a good thing. But ultimately, I need to see Deshaun Watson do this week in and week out for me to consider them a Super Bowl threat because they have a Super Bowl right. defense, right? And no Nick Chubb, who is by far your best offensive weapon. It's like, okay, now's the time that we're going to have to rely on Deshaun Watson to make plays when we have to go up against really, really good teams. I mean, the AFC at the top end is still stacked. And as we're learning some of the bad teams, at least teams we thought were going to be bad in the AFC are actually really, really good. So yeah, it'll be, uh, it'll be interesting right now. Deshaun Watson ranks 17th in the NFL in overall passing offensive grades. Um, We'll see where that stacks up over the course of the next couple of years, years, Jesus weeks, uh, the Titans. I think this is just who the Titans are going to be. I I think they have no explosiveness on offense. I would even venture to say, I think we're going to end up seeing Malik Willis and or will Levis once, if not multiple times throughout this year. Um, my prediction would be that Ryan Tannehill does not finish the year as the starter of the Tennessee Titans.
1: I agree with you. I agree with you hundred percent. He, he, he just looks so much worse than he did even like three years ago. He really does. Yeah. It's the, the drop-off since the year they
0: were the one seed has seemed yeah. pretty, uh, pretty apparent. It seems
1: like their line, right? Like, he needs a good line, and their line is not that great. And Andre Dillard getting just one-handed pass rushed <laughs>
0: to the fucking throat and while getting tackled by both <laughs> – like tackling both Andre Dillard and Brian Tannehill to the ground. Miles Garrett, what an absolute fucking monster. All right, uh, Falcons, Lions – Not a ton to report on on here. I mean, Desmond Ritter, I thought he was going to look better than he has through three weeks. I'm starting to think this just might be who Desmond Ritter is, Um, which sucks because I like Desmond Ritter a lot and I loved him in college and I was hoping he had the chance to be, you know, pretty solid as an NFL player. Um, He could be a backup. I think he'd be a really, really solid backup, you know, but he's kind of giving off that kind of vibe right now. Uh, Defensively, it was nice to see the the, the Lions kind of put a full game together. Um, no CJ Garner Johnson on IR. You know, they, they went out and signed him in the offseason to well, one year deal, but they put some capital into it in hopes that he was going to be a big anchor for them. He was going to be a big part of their defense. He didn't necessarily show up, but your boy Jack Campbell looked really good. Um, mm-hmm. Aiden Hutchinson continued to look really, really good. Uh, defensively as a whole, I think the Lions looked really, really good because even if Desmond is not that good, this Falcons offense has looked pretty good through two weeks. They were able to run the ball on every single team that they played. And if there's weaknesses around this Detroit lions defense, especially last year, it's through the running game. And you just took what was the number one rushing offense in the NFL and held them to 44 yards on the ground. And you forced Desmond Ritter to throw the ball 38 times. And if you're getting Desmond Ritter to throw the ball 38 times, I feel like more often than not, you are winning that. So shout out to the lions. Um, you know they found ways to to, to to make plays, uh, and Amon Monroe St. Brown turning into like Keenan Allen esque.
1: It's just 100 yards and 10 catches, like every single game. Now, he's he's to me is like the story of the game. And just I think the Lions offense to Gibbs finally got the ball pretty consistently, obviously. Um, and and that was uh nice to see. Uh, it sucks how it happened, but right, like good to see him. Um, these rookie running backs, man, these two guys, I think this is the first and second running backs taken, right? Um, yep. Bijan and Jameer Gibbs. Yeah, and both of them really, really struggled. It's just kind of wild. But I mean, I wouldn't say really. I I wouldn't say that about Bijan.
0: Bijan's looked fucking crazy good. It's just the offense as a whole. He is the offense. Like they're he's a rookie, and they're basically entirely reliant on him slanting the field, whether he's being split out wide or in the passing game. And
1: no, yeah, for sure. His struggles are not. Yeah, exactly. His struggles are not his own. And I'd Jameer Gibbs didn't I don't know why I compare the two, but he, I guess they both had some pretty um, dynamic runs that they over classic college guy coming in thinking he can yeah. do too much, but they were all, they were both breaking tackles a lot. Like, I think their confidence is both the roof. And I bet you these are the top two rookies and probably two of the top 10 running backs in terms of yards by the end of the year. Yeah, I know 100%. And, and Jameer Gibbs, like
0: he's looked okay. He's, he's averaging like a hundred yards, hundred yards from scrimmage a game right as a rookie because they're using him he's getting like that mm-hmm. 50 on the ground and 70 through the air or 60 on the ground and you know 55 through the air like he's doing those kinds of games um which is how exactly how they use them so if you're telling me like hey there are two games there three games Shamir Gibbs is averaging you know 100 yards for uh from scrimmage a game like he only had one catch in this game for two yards but 82 total yards. I mean, he's, he's been playing all around really, really solid football. He hasn't wowed yet. Like Bijan has at least had his wow moments. Um, Mm -hmm. but this Atlanta receiving, you know, core, like you have talent, Kyle Pitts, Johnny Smith, Bijan. Now Mac Hollins, Tyler Algier, like you have guys there that you can make, you can throw the ball to. You have guys that should, and Desmond Ritter is just, just very, very much struggling. Um, and I'm just I'm stoked on the Lions. Like I like seeing the defense. This is an impressive defensive performance because so far the the Falcons have been able to run the ball on the Saints. No, not the Saints. I keep thinking they play the Saints. The uh, now I got to go look up their past schedule. Um, the Falcons were able to run the ball against the Panthers. Good defense and the Packers. Good defense. And they were the number one rushing team in the NFL going into this week. Yeah, and they got held to. 44 yards and Bijan got held to 33 yards. Uh, meanwhile, you go put up 115 on the ground, 243 in the air from Jared Goff. Um, wild stat that only four different receivers caught passes in this game uh, from Jared Goff. He had 22 yeah. completions, but it was Amon Ra, Sam Laporta, who had the great touchdown catch, uh, Khalif Raymond, and then Jameer Gibbs. That was it. And of those 22, 17 of them were. amon ra and sam laporta so the offense didn't even necessarily have to bust for the the lions to win this game which i think is helpful for them to know down the road like hey we can win in any sort of environment any type of game
1: yeah um i don't know man It, it was weird to see the falcons struggle but uh this this division the nfc south is just like i i don't think we're gonna know what they are through eight weeks no no this shot. is this team's gonna be. This whole division's gonna be so fucking weird. <laughs>
0: yeah. Um. All right. Next game, Patriots fifteen, Jets ten. Zach Wilson is
1: fucking awful. And, I'll tell you the best part of this game. Are so is Mac Jones. They all suck. What? They all suck. Uh, sixteen punts in this game. I, me, and my friend were live betting just that you get a punt for each drive on DraftKings, guys. Nice. It's automatic. It's still like plus one twenty every drive for the Jets. I don't know how. It's the easiest money. It is the only reason I didn't just lose my Just if they punt at any point of the drive? No, the next drive, yeah, like a punt. So you just bet the next drive, the Jets' drive will end in a punt. It's like plus 120 or 140 still, even when the game's going on. I think because they maybe think it's going to be a turnover too. But no, yeah. they just punt. Uh, and the Patriots did too. So it was a wild game of punting, and that's about it for this team. Um, yeah, I mean, look, it sucks. Like I, Mac Jones is terrible. Bill O'Brien
0: – has really not helped whatsoever. The fact that the Eagles let him throw for 340 yards, whatever it was, in, in Week One well, is is kind of shocking. Yeah. But so much of that was because the Eagles were like, "All right, Mac, beat us over the top, like beat us with with like, deep throws." But they kept giving everything under the middle, and even still, the pick six was like the biggest turning point in that game. But like Mac Jones. Cool. Can't push the ball downfield, and they are playing a really, really good Jets defense. Game. I was going to say to me,
1: that. like, I think, I think this doesn't indicate what's going on. This Jets defense is insane. I'll just say that, like, I don't think to your point, it's low scoring. This wasn't ever a close game. It really wasn't. Like Zach Wilson was bad, and this Jets offense was bad. Yeah, I mean,
0: Mac Jones, sixty-four percent of passes on the year seven hundred and forty eight yards, you know, he's averaging a little less than two fifty a game. Um, but that's yeah. very much inflated by that. That Eagles game.
1: No. Uh,
0: Sixty eight point two was his passing grade. Not great as a whole. No. Um, that being no. said, you know, he's still around the likes of Deshaun and CJ Stroud, who we'll talk about him in the next game. No. Uh, Brock Purdy. You know, there, there's some other guys down there. So it's not like he's been no. absolutely awful. But the offense just has no explosiveness. The, the Patriots right now spent the most money out of any team in the NFL on their wide receivers this past offseason. And they still can't get separation. Uh, it's just like Bill O'Brien's made a uh, has made it better, but also comparing that to what, you know, uh, the, the beard Matt Patricia and what those guys were doing before, like anything is an improvement but from Joe Judge and Matt Patricia. Anything is an improvement. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was an ugly, gross win in New York. The jets are bad. Um, Zach Wilson sacked himself at one point. Did you see that clip? <laughs> like he literally, he literally just fell to the ground. Like there was not, he thought he was, he's yeah. seeing ghosts. It's Sam Darnold all over again. He's seeing he ghosts. Is
1: seeing ghosts. He is so bad. Like right at the end of the game too, just everything he was doing. I mean, that guy's just so bad. Like that was in one terms of the of worst quarterback performances I've seen. And and like he consistently is the one who he's up against
0: in five <laughs> games against the Patriots. How many touchdown passes do you think Zach Wilson has two,
1: one, three, Jesus. That's so bad in five games In five games. That's 20 quarters of football. That's yeah. probably, yeah, that's probably around 300 snaps of offense.
0: Not a single passing touchdown. It's just, it's just gross. I don't know what the Jets do. I mean, sign, I mean, go get, you know what they should do? Go get fucking Colt Kirk McCoy.
1: Cousins. I would trade for Kirk Cousins to your point. I'd but why, why give up, up the asset for, for even Kirk Cousins? Go get Colt McCoy. No, you're right. Colt McCoy is a way better Colt McCoy, go out. yeah, he's cheap.
0: Yeah. I'm pretty sure he's a free agent right now, unless he signs somewhere. When he got released from the, the Cardinals,
1: I, I don't think he's a better option. Anywhere. Even if he did, you can trade for him for a, a definitely a lower round pick, right? Yeah, there's um, all there's reports right now being like,
0: uh, yeah, he's a free agent, and he's yeah. 37, but he'll be fine. He'll be, he'll fine. be you know what he is? He won't be Zach Wilson. And if you have a defense that's that good, again, Deshaun Watson is only one step up ahead of Mac Jones in passing grading right now. So, yeah. and, and and again, the Jets' defense can be just as dominant as
1: as the Browns' defense can. Yeah. Go get and a I fucking say, game manager. And I would tell you this too. I bet you the locker room is a lot more motivated to have a guy who's 37 who knows like, hey, I'm not Superman, but I've been around football for a long time, rather than a guy who's young and keeps messing up big time and big moments. Like, Well, big-
0: I'm, I'm pretty sure there was a uh, a tweet that I saw um, about Garrett Wilson, <laughs> Garrett Wilson talking shit already about Zach, uh, Zach, White, Zach White, Zach White, Zach Wilson. I got uh, caught on on camera. Let's see here. Oh, it was I say it was a it was a voice. It was a read lipping or uh, a, uh, oh. a lip reading thing. <sighs> mm-hmm. um, but it was yeah, clip from him when they're down 15 to 10 minute and 13 seconds left in the game of him saying to uh, a teammate he can't throw it. Yeah. Don't know who he's talking to or talking about. Could be anybody. It it could be anything. You never know. The but ref
1: really can't throw flags. See the arm the sequence. It must yeah, no, it's terrible. His, um, Pat's defense is very good though.
0: Um, yeah, and the fact that they almost caught that hail mary at the end too. <laughs> yeah, you imagine like what a start for the Jets. They're they're two and one, and they had two like walk off incredible hail mary type plays to win between the punt return and the nah. yeah. What
1: a way to go, Jesus. Uh,
0: all right, Bills commanders. This felt like it was coming for Washington. Yeah, um, Sam
1: Howell returned to Sam Howell. The average out.
0: Well, right? this is this is the first game that he's lost as a as a pro. Um, I think it's the first. You know, he he beat Dallas last year, and then they start off two and out. He still is making throws that I really like, and I think yeah, y- we you have to kind of treat this year with Sam Howell as like a rookie year. To me, this is like the year Jalen hurts. Sat behind Carson Wentz, got in at the end of the season that gave him, you know, the keys the next season, and then the Eagles end up sneaking into the playoffs and they get absolutely blown the fuck up by uh, the Tampa Bay. Yeah, and Tom Brady, and then they're out in the first round. To me, like that's what you're hoping for here as a Commanders fan, rationally, like yeah. irrationally. Oh, like, yeah. yeah, you're thinking Super Bowl, but irrationally, you're like, hey, like, or rationally, should say, you're thinking like, hey. Let's pile together some wins. Our defense is good. We have some good weapons on the outside. We have a young quarterback. We can pay our, our good players. You know, we can hang around. But, you know, we need you to see some little improvements. And there have been throws that he's made. There was a throw against the Broncos that I didn't get to talk to you about, Vito. That one that he threw into triple coverage to the tight yeah. end. I mean, that is like top-tier NFL throw type of shit. And he mm-hmm. lasered it in. And obviously, the interception in, early in this game was bad um as a whole definitely some question marks about 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 his overall game but this is also the bills team that we were expecting that we didn't see week one in that weird game when rogers goes down and and you're in MetLife and the stadium and all that stuff that was so bizarre and so intense um that was the 9-11 game too right yeah, yeah. and and yeah. rogers ran out into the field and then you know you you, you win the close one against denver you look good against the a defense that people thought was going to be pretty good. Sorry for the ricochet shot, Vito. Um, <laughs> no, know, I'm sorry, probably not necessary. But So no, but you, ex- I, you expected them to come down to earth a little bit, and you expected the Bills to look better than oh, – I just totally blinded blended the two. Jesus Christ. Um, <laughs> the Bills beat the Jets and then went on to beat the Raiders heavily last week. So this is what we're accustomed yeah. to seeing and what
1: we expected to see out of this Bills team. Commanders, they came down to earth a little bit. And I think for the commanders, that's what I mean. Like, there's no way that your basically rookie quarterback is gonna play as well as he has, right? Like he he's been playing pretty well. Um, I saw him in preseason here in Cleveland, uh, against Miles Garrett and some of these guys. And and I'll tell you what, he made some really good throws, like a dots and out route. Like there were a couple of ones where I'm like, Yeah, this guy's this guy's an NFL quarterback, right? He's got like, the
0: horsepower, you know? Yeah. Like he's not like Mac Jones who has to like on those outbreaking routes were the ones you really have to show arm strength where Jones kind of like flutters it in or tries to throw it over the defender. like mm-hmm. he's got the horsepower in the arm to rip a ball 15 yard out that's gonna be like a 35 yard throw on a dot.
1: and he like his feel of the game he moves well he throws in the run like he, you know what I mean he's he's a guy who I believe in extending plays. Good athlete. Um, I he know. had a six yeah. scramble in this game
0: early on. I don't know yeah. if you saw, but he got he, lit up. Put yeah, he did at the end, but I mean, he it was a play that could have been a sack that yeah. he avoided oh, he got, like, 15, spun out yards, of it, maybe? and then ran it all the way down to like the five-yard line and then got absolutely lit up by a linebacker. But I mean, it was a hell of a run. He's a he's a really good athlete, too.
1: Yeah, yeah. So I the future is brighter than it
0: shows. I I agree. It's a new offense, it's the enemy, right? And like what you've seen through two weeks, like, look, this 37 to three sting yes but it's probably only the third worst loss score wise of the weekend you know the chiefs the chiefs the chiefs bears win loss like that differential is less but that felt like more of an ass kicking than this game did
1: yeah Jesus.
0: so you know if you're the commanders look they got philly coming up we'll see what philly looks like tonight on monday night football but you know we'll take it one thing at a time um and the bills look good and this is what we expected out of the bills we expected the bills to be dangerous, high-flying, Josh Allen looking really, really good, and the defense looking this good. It feels like they through three games they've been really impressive. Now, granted, again, it was four plays of Aaron Rodgers and then Zach Wilson. It was Jimmy G and the Raiders, and now it's the Commanders. So we're not talking about the best offenses in the NFL here, but the Bills' defense looks to be improved through uh, two weeks. And, And again, take, take back that crazy kick return for the touchdown and that weird game on Monday Night Football, and it's a totally different team the bills feel like they're on a pretty strong trajectory and uh and I don't think they're slowing down you know everyone's going to be talking about the uh the dolphins this week and the bills are going to be like hey we're right over here we're going to try to drop 30 every single week too and we're, we're going to look pretty damn good doing it so uh last game of the early window texans jaguars cj stroud man fucking st- i don't I, to me like A lot of people want to try to bury the Jags because it's like the Jags had this expectations and everyone thought they were going to be really good this year. And so far, they've been a touch disappointing to me. Like I, I, as much as I like the Jags and like, I love Trevor Lawrence and Dougie P and everything. This, this story of this game is CJ Stroud and the Houston Texans because they've been frisky. They've shown a ton of energy and excitement there. If I'm a team of a first year head coach, like, yes, I said earlier, the Colts fans just feel good. I don't think anyone feels better than the Texans right now.
1: Well, I mean, I I think after this game, it's a good performance of all three phases, right? Like you had a kicker turn for a touchdown. CJ Stroud finally played a lot better. Um, You ran the ball pretty well. Uh, And I think um, the defense, what the defense did, I think is pretty special. Just keeping them out of the end zone. Uh, They had a couple turnovers. Um, But yeah, I mean, the Jags, listen. So the Jags, if you go back to the KC game um, last week, so through that game and in the first two quarters here, they were held without a touchdown. And for a team that's supposed to be so offensive focus with Doug Peterson, you can't go that long without scoring. You just can't an hour and no. a half of game time. Um, They finally got it going a little bit in the third and fourth, too little, too late, obviously, but, you know, they score a few times in the first, this is a lot closer. And who knows how the game goes. Um, Turnovers killed them. But yeah, I mean, to your point, let's let's focus on this Texans team because this is so much better than I think anyone thought they would be. Their line is very good. Uh, We knew they ran the ball very well last year, but um, how they're holding it with pass uh, protection, these wide receivers are getting separation. Like these wide receivers are helping him out so much. Um, Absolutely. Which is crazy. Tank Dell. Huge day for Tank Dell.
0: Crazy. I didn't even
1: know who he was. Can I just say that? I'll be the first to say, I didn't know who he was. Not many did. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, my God. And they have a nice little backfield,
0: Damian Pierce and Devin Singletary. You know, like we've seen Devin Singletary be, like, a really, you know, solid, productive, rotational back. Nine carries for 41 yards. That's a yeah. really good day, you know? It's, you're averaging over four yards a carry, you know, or right around four yards a carry. Yeah, so four like and a you, half.
1: Like, yes. it's, it's what you it, – that's a good day in the office for a running back, for
0: sure. In the And No question. Yeah, no question. Uh, and Damian Pierce has obviously had his flashes as well, but – talking about like comfortability like Bryce Young looks small like it, it's concerning like it's like we knew he was small he looks even more small than we thought and and that offensive line obviously has not done a ton of help. the lack of separation from the wide receivers certainly doesn't help but he looks small. Anthony Richardson looks massive and looks like a crazy athlete and all that mm-hmm. stuff we everyone fell in love with the um, teach, you know the teach, the stuff you can't teach. And Shane Steichen is there to help coach up the stuff that he can. But then two weeks, two potential injuries, and he misses game three. Meanwhile, C.J. Stroud, man, just a nice, calm, little kayak out on the river, no no waves, just nice little flat, easy breezy. Um, and, and and look, he broke the record for consecutive passes without uh, for a rookie to start a career without an interception. And he's shattered that record, and he's still going because he didn't throw a pick in this game. I mean, he just flat out outplayed Trevor Lawrence and Trevor Lawrence is a really good quarterback. And we've seen him have really good moments in the NFL, but CJ Stroud, I thought the defense, the one thing you'll say about this Texans defense is that they are flying around the field, every opportunity they can get,
1: they're flying around the field. And you know, it is blocked that kick too, right? It was a, what's his face. The the third overall pick Um, uh, will Anderson jr. Blocked a kick. Like there were some Mm -hmm. amazing plays that like, so this, this team, your point flying around, like the young players are making plays and they've invested a lot in the last couple of years on that defense too. Um, So, you know, CJ Stroud's killing it. I I just stoked to see both their rookies, I guess. Yeah. They were both insanely drafted high players, but if they hit on both of them and they're both top five talents, man. Yeah. And that's probably the one
0: thing. And and it's not that, and I'm trying to pull up the pass rush grade so far. um, It's, it's tough to go to just one, uh single person. Um, but I'm I'm trying to pull up uh Will Anderson because he's someone who I look, I'll be honest, I haven't sat down and watched every single snap of Will Anderson's career so far. Um, as much as I am excited by uh Will Anderson because I think he's an absolute you know monster. I think he could end up being really, really good. But uh defensive grades chart. There we go. Um, look, I mean, as a whole, his first game ever against Baltimore, he was graded in 83. In terms of pass rush and defensive grades, dipped a little bit against Indy. Better up to seventy-three again against Jacksonville. Um, you know, as a whole, he's 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 playing pretty solid probably, uh, solid defense. And I'm trying to find he still has no sacks, no uh, forced fumbles. Um, I'm trying to find his pressures um, and his pressure rate and stuff. I didn't do enough deep dive on Will, Will no, Anderson before a, we
1: started here, but I think he got a sack week one. He's still listed at zero sacks on the season. Um, Uh, I got one here, Hmm. but
0: either way, you're, you're getting something out of him that you hoped for. And he's been disruptive. Like I've been able to point him out on the field and, and yeah, real and see him, you know, Oh, he does. Sorry. You're right. He does have one sack on the season. I was looking at the games. Uh, yeah. Nine tackles, one sack. He's, he's putting pressure on the quarterback, which is what we expected him to do. I mean, he was, Mm -hmm. again, I understand that like, people were so high on him after his sophomore year that going into his junior year that everyone thought like, Oh, he's going to win the Heisman as a defensive player. He should have won it as a junior didn't because he was better than Will Anderson or than um, uh, Bryce Young on that team. But then his senior year, he just lost so much talent around him and they asked him to play so many different positions on that Alabama defense that the numbers just weren't there. And all of a sudden it's like, yeah, no, he's good. Like he's really efficient. He's going to come in and be like solid right away. Like, it's like his upside got shortened somehow. And that never made sense to me in the uh, draft process. So I'm glad to see he's out here playing well. And I mean, look, through two games. I mean, they gave the Colts a hell of a run in week one and they gave the fucking uh, Ravens a hell of a run in, uh, in week one. So um, I like the Texans. The Jags, on the other hand, talk about a disappointing start to the season. This is a team that had very high expectations, yeah. And for a Doug Peterson-led team with the talent that's there now, I know the offensive line's been a little bit
1: missy-match, mismatched a little bit. You got to be better than that so far. Well, that's the hard part is you beat the Colts, you have the Chiefs, right? And and it was pretty competitive last week. Um, the defense played well, and that was what was so strange is that a team that you know held the Chiefs to seventeen points all of a sudden gave up 37 to the Texans. This just seems out of character. Something weird's going on. It's not easy. Like, they play the Falcons next week. They have to get a win there, but that team, to your point, runs the ball well. After that, they have the Bills. So this could be a a quick slip. Then you're going to have to really make a run here. You know, they have the Niners coming up soon. So, like, there's some good teams on the schedule. Um, They have a favorable back half, you could say, but they're going to need to pull out some wins against some good teams here, and we thought they would compete in those. Uh, it was weird, again, they competed last week, but then they just absolutely didn't today. Um, and the offense, again, was bad last week too, though. They need to get it fixed. They, they could have won that game. Um, just kind of crazy to see what's going on and, and to drop the ball in different ways, I guess, in back-to-back weeks. And that's the thing, too, is the first half of this game felt like it was pretty competitive.
0: Um, and yet, by the time we hit halftime, the Jags hadn't scored a point yet. And yeah. then you look at the second half and then it was competitive, but you still get outscored by the Texans. And it's like the, the eye test versus like the end result here was, was kind of surprising because it felt to me like Jacksonville had moments where it was like, okay, now we're seeing it, but there's yes. just, there's a little bit of a disconnect somewhere in that offense that, you know, maybe getting Calvin Ridley back and all this, I don't know, but Trevor Lawrence, statistically kind of like the Russell Wilson thing, like he's like ranked in the top five for week three in terms of offensive efficiency yeah, and his overall passing grade. But it feels as though like maybe the design work and some stuff needs to be retooled by Jacksonville, get a little and- bit more creative. But the other thing I'll add here too, is that the Texans do for whatever reason, just own the Jags. Like I think since in the last like 12 years, the, the Jags have only won five times against the Texans. Yeah. So it's, it's been a one-sided rivalry, but you look at the rosters, you look at the talent on each side, Like you, we expect the Jaguars to be where the Houston Texans were for a long time when they were with Bill O'Brien and Deshaun Watson, right? And now the roles kind of switched, and somehow the Texans still kind of had a leg up. So, uh, But shout out to CJ Stroud because he's been, you know, everyone either loved Bryce Young or hated Bryce, Bryce Young. It was a very polarizing topic. Either he was off the draft board or he was the obvious number one pick. And then everyone was obsessed with Anthony Richardson because of the untangibles, because of the size and speed and how much he clocked at the combine and all that stuff. And CJ Stroud just became like the forgotten guy in the middle. And he's like, Hey dude, like I can sit here and actually read a defense. I'm not Justin Fields. I'm not, you know, Dwayne Haskins. Like I can, I can see the field and throw the ball better than those guys. Him and Bryce young were neck and neck coming out of high school, but because Bryce young went to Bama and won the national championship and got the Heisman, all of a sudden it's like C.J. Stroud just isn't as exciting or good of a player, and it's the exact opposite. Like C.J. Stroud is making throws and sees the field in ways that like rookies rarely, rarely do. So I think it's a huge, huge positive sign. Uh, If you're a Texans fan, you're like, we got a stud on defense. We nailed the quarterback. I think we nailed the head coach. The future is bright in Houston, Um, as it should be. And they're loaded with draft capital. So even if the Texans, just based off of talent alone, end up with a top 10 pick this year, that's money, dude. That's fucking awesome. You know, and you'll end up with the Browns first round pick and, you know, they'll have two first round picks again and, and they'll be able to continue to load on young talent while they have a young quarterback who seems to have a really good understanding of how to play the position. So uh, the future is bright in Houston. The Jacksonville Jaguars need a little bit of a wake up call because they are they're too good for this. Um, all right, let's get for the four o'clock games. We'll start with this. Sh- not the shitty game, but the least exciting game. Seahawks win 3727 over the Panthers uh andy dalton still out here slinging it a
1: little bit mm-hmm. uh i think he had over 300 yards in this game 360 with two touches he he, I mean, he threw 58 times it was kind of wild um but yeah. yeah no like he he was not um uh, terrible by any means by any means no
0: this is and this is you know what Vito. this is why you go out and you spend 25 or 25 million dollars on Miles sanders nine carries for 24 yards and a touchdown Right. That's that's why you go out there and pay a running back for all the people. And again, I feel bad for running backs. I genuinely do. But for all the people who like think it's like a fucking crime that they're doing this to running backs, this is why you don't do it. Like this is the this is the ownership side, the management side, the coaching side, because the position it's not that it's not important. It's just that one guy being the guy that you're giving a ton of cap space to doesn't fucking matter. You know, um, well, what
1: pisses me off those use them. If you're gonna pay them, use them, and they just didn't. Like they went away from it so early, given they couldn't. Seattle, listen, credit to Seattle. Um, they they were able to move the ball. Kenneth Walker looked good. He's uh, been DK looking really good so far this year. Plays. Yeah, the receipt. Like I don't know, man. This whole team, um, I was impressed with. Now you'll love this one. I don't know. I've never seen this. I think on a winning team. I was watching these games. And then I go back and look at the stats. Like later again, I was flying, so today I was looking at some of them. I was shocked to see that Seattle was three of thirteen on third down. It just seemed like they moved the ball pretty well. Uh, that would indicate they didn't. Uh, but anyway, I I thought, uh, especially um, you know, in the third quarter, they came out and dominated after halftime, and and really that was the difference. Absolutely. I mean, Geno Smith
0: continuing to look like the guy he did last year, which is accurate. Smart decisions, not turning the ball over, taking the shots when they're there. He's playing really good quarterback right now, right? It's not crazy flashy. It's not Josh Allen or Jalen or obviously Mahomes. It's none of those guys. He's just playing the position at a crazy high level. They've been really good in the red zone so far. Kenneth Walker second in the NFL in touchdowns behind Raheem Mostert, who has six through three weeks. Uh, Kenneth Walker has four, uh, averaging you know about 70 yards a game and, and a touchdown and then some. like. They're getting really good production out of him. Um, Zach Charbonnet, their third round, second round pick out of uh, UCLA getting in the mix. And then, oh yeah, they also still have DK Metcalf and they also have Tyler Lockett and the rookie Jackson Smith and Jigba. And they didn't even really have to use them a ton because of how well they were able to utilize the running game. So you get nearly hundred yards out of Kenneth Walker on 18 carries, two touchdowns. You're getting 300 out of Geno Smith. The big impressive thing here is like, the defense is really banged up right now. Seattle as a whole is really banged up, but they still made enough plays to keep themselves in this game, right? Three big sacks on Andy Dalton, impact plays, um, weren't able to turn the ball over here, but they were doing what they needed to in the moments that it mattered most. And knowing you're going up against a, back, a backup quarterback, knowing that like, hey, we have the advantage here just on a roster side alone. They played with their food a little bit in the first half, and then once that second half took off, that third co- quarter was owned by the Panthers, as you pointed out, Vito, and they cruised. Um, despite a last ditch effort from the, the the Panthers to come back with you know two touchdowns in the in the fourth quarter when it was needed, the Seahawks responded. They made sure they stayed in control of that game, and you know they deserve credit for that because they played a really really well rounded football game. And what I think is a very underrated and good defense the Carolina Panthers.
1: Something was also up. I don't know if you saw this. I I think it's because Andy Dalton coming in. I don't know if he's had time with the ones on the line. They had eight false starts in this game. Given it was Seattle, it's loud. We all know that. But like, when uh, people don't think about that, the QB exchange, all that stuff, we'd sell some fumbles early in the NFL season without a lot of preseason snaps. But like, there's something about a cadence too. And if if your tempo is a little different than the guy in front of you, like the line needs time to adjust. And I, I there were a couple times where it looked like that was the case. Maybe it was also again the twelves, uh, whatever. But um, little, little weird for for Carolina.
0: Yeah, and unfortunately, there's been mistakes like that all season. We saw it in the preseason. Yeah, and as much as I like Frank Reich, I I, I have a feeling like I wouldn't be shocked if this is a one and done year, especially if they gave up the amount of draft capital they did, you know, to to mm-hmm. Chicago. Um, oh, sorry. That yeah, yeah yeah to Chicago. Wait. I'm confused. No, they got draft capital from Chicago. Sorry. Yes. My brain is on totally another planet right now, Um, (laughs) which is good. That's what you want for a podcast. Uh, But yeah, the capital they got back from Chicago, like they have a ton of like future assets that they're going to be able to hopefully build around Bryce Young. And in doing so, you want to make sure that you have a head coach in there that you can help develop like for the future. And Bryce Young's already banged up. You are in, in, in week three. There was only one first-round quarterback playing in week three already because of injury. The offensive line, Iki Iquanu not really turning out to be the player that they hoped they would get. I mean, look, he's he's been better this year as a whole, but it's still not great for someone that you drafted in the top ten to be your starting left tackle. They're going to have some issues. In the defense, it's going to be those things that they get worn down over the course of the season. They're going to be ready to move on. Um, it's a shame because I like Frank Reich, but I think all in all he's probably not the guy. All right. The second biggest ass whooping of the weekend, in my opinion, was the Kansas City Chiefs taking down the Chicago Bears. Uh, And honestly, like there's not a whole lot to talk about here because the Bears suck and Justin Fields cannot see the field. I feel very vindicated, by the way, based off of our debate in the first year of our podcast about how high you were on Justin Fields. And I told you, I, I actually don't feel that vindicated because I think Justin Fields is immensely talented and I think it's really fun to watch him play. I hate that he hasn't been able to be developed in the way that he should. Right. Um, but ultimately, this team, the defensive coordinator resigned. He then immediately hired, hired a lawyer. I have no idea what to expect out of this Chicago Bears team, um, but yeah, I mean it's not good. Whatever it is, it's it's not good. They probably are the worst team in the NFL. We'll figure out next week when they play the Broncos. Um, I think the Broncos are better than the Bears. I, I think the Bears are just absolutely terrible. Mahomes looked great. I mean, 27 points in this in this second quarter. If they had wanted to keep playing, I think they could have yeah. easily gotten to 70 if they really wanted to. Uh,
1: but at this point, I was point, so pissed I mean, they didn't. I was watching this game after the so the Broncos had just lost by you know, given up 70, lost by 50, and I was like. If the Bears, because it was in the high 30s to zero, or it was, it was 41 to zero. And they scored late. So, like uh at that point though, it was it was um in the 30s, and I was like, dude, they could at halftime, I was like 34 to zero. They could be if they win by over 50 and keep a shutout, <laughs> that's a worse loss. And so I was rooting, yeah, you know, and and let's let's just get into it because you know what I want to touch on the fact that Taylor Swift is in the stands. That, All right, the, let's put put a pin, put a pin no, in that in one second. But look at how fast this team came out. This team was out there running. I wanted them to run it up. I wanted them to just force feed it. Oh. And and the point is that like all I know is that that was exciting. You can you cannot deny that when that all happened, they showed on the big, big screen. They showed on red zone. Every single person was like, "Oh shit!" They showed the sidelines, the, the film of the sidelines, and everyone was pumped. But sorry, I'll put a pin in it. It's hard to do. Okay, I have a response
0: to that. Um, because there's not really much more football to talk about, so fuck it. Let's get into the Taylor Swift stuff. <laughs> Did you see Oppenheimer? No. Okay. So spoilers for anyone who hasn't seen it. There's an atomic bomb and it goes off at one point. Okay. <laughs> and if you didn't know that by now, fuck you. Uh, sorry. I'm already heated. We're talking about Taylor Swift. Yeah. yeah.
1: Taylor why? Swift,
0: because Taylor Swift is that to the people she interacts with in a romantic sense. Okay. She comes in and she burns this bright, beautiful light and everyone just stares at it and talks about it and has visceral reactions to it. And then as soon as it's over, she leaves a cloud of fucking dust and a giant hole in whatever person's life she was just in and fucking ruins it for them and then goes on about her life. And so I think
1: well. I disagree wholeheartedly. Oh, is, is, is John is John Mayer not good? Is John Mayer bad? Do you know what
0: happened to John Mayer's career after Taylor Swift made up the fact that they were dating and then also wrote a song called Dear John about how they broke up, even though they were never actually officially dating? She oh, yeah. fucking ruined, his, oh,
1: she ruined is...
0: his life.
1: No, oh, for, no like, her fucking... fans did. Her fans did. Dude, not her.
0: Her fans have such an unrealistic gra- Her fans are bad for her. All right, her fans, yes. part yes. of my take, part of my take talked about this today. So I'm, I want everyone to know that I'm completely ripping them off, off for this because it was such a brilliant take and it's so accurate. I'm going to use it forever. Taylor Swift's fans, in, without knowing it, subconsciously destroy her life so that way she continues to write shitty music that they think is really, really good that no empowers fair. them and then literally tortures her. She can't have a fucking normal life. And the stands on Taylor Swift's. Across the nation, God for God permitting, she never, ever, ever does the halftime show at a Super Bowl. Which I know deep down there's a fucking angle here. This whole thing is so stupid. Or Taylor, Taylor Swift fans were shitting on Travis Kelsey. Taylor, they don't like Travis Kelsey. Who doesn't like Travis Kelsey?
1: Yeah, who doesn't like? No, Travis that's Kelsey? that's where like this is where I all right now I'm hopping on your side here because this is when Taylor Swift fans go fucking berserk and are too much, right? It's when this stuff happens. Like, yes, it's cool with the girl. Like, all of a sudden, will can't will Travis Kelsey and the Chiefs gain a bunch more fans of people who never really followed football or were casual fans? Yeah, they'll be way more interested. That's that's cool for them, and I think that's actually not the bad part, right? To your point, it's what objectively, happens. When, that's a
0: good thing. It brings more people to the game. Like right. that, objectively, is a good thing.
1: And, and and that's a good team to follow if you're a casual fan. You're gonna watch a team be like, wow, football's awesome. But right? This is like, awesome. This yeah, is great. This team is so fun to watch. The problem is those fans go crazy. And if, yeah, she forgot the halftime show, you know, they buy out all the tickets to go see the con. Like there's all this stuff that they will go crazy for. I'm one of them. All right. You're looking at one. And, and it's so funny to me because someone asked me if it came down to it and like, whatever, but between football and Taylor Swift, I'm like, listen, football's the number one thing in my life. Travis Kelsey's not, but like, there's a difference thing. But, but to the point of like. Be careful how you answer this. Well, I'm just saying, so when it comes down to like how this is all going to like going down right now, I think it's exciting. And I think if Taylor Swift fans go berserk on Travis Kelsey, if they break up, that will be normal. That is what they do. That has to be expected. Is there going to be a song about you that it doesn't matter if it's about you or not, they will find a way to make it about you. Right. Let's be real. I trust (laughs) me. I'm on the message boards guys. I see how crazy these people are. Yes, they will go insane, but let's let the boy Trav go off. See if this is the person for him. This is just, I think, a dope thing for football, a dope thing for Travis, and clearly, like, he asked for this, so he's got to get deal with it. Okay, my shout out to my sister, who
0: had the funniest line about this in my family group chat. Of course you <laughs> <laughs> um, I was I was driving, so I didn't get a chance to read this part, but my parents are going back and forth of it. Um. And my is the same thing. He's like, oh, yeah, there's going to be a, an amazing hit single that comes out of this when it all ends eventually. She'll be performing 87 at next year's VMAs.
1: <laughs> oh, man. And I was
0: like, that is so fucking perfect. And look, there's a... First of all, Travis Kelsey 100% brought this all to himself. I have zero sympathy if shit goes wrong. Travis Kelsey knows what he's doing. But I also like want to defend Travis Kelsey because there are diehard swifties out here like talking shit oh. about how this is so dumb like why would she date this like dumb jockey football player guy and there was one dude who like there was some tiktok girl who like had a lengthy response and like quote tweeted this guy and she was like oh it's so funny like triggering all these football fans and my mentions now about travis kelsey and it's like the guy was literally saying it's like first of all he's incredibly handsome he's a, a multi-millionaire athlete He's one of the best in the world at what he's done. He's arguably going to be the best to ever do what he's done for a living. He's (laughs) he's a family guy. He doesn't sleep around. He had a long term girlfriend before dating now Taylor Swift. And he like is a huge impact guy for community and gives so much of his money
1: away. Like he's like, honestly, a great
0: dude to fucking date.
1: Great dude, man. I'm stoked. Like, that's what I agree. Like, they're going nuts, like they always do. But to your point, you stay in the pocket. Like, I'm sorry. Calvin two?
0: Harris is so much better. The fucking
1: douchebag DJ. No, and that's
0: even still, why this she's is good. Gonna, she's going to her and her whole aura is going to destroy every person she dates. And then she's going to write songs about how that person was actually the problem in the relationship. And girls are going to keep telling her how great she is. And she's going to keep making a billion dollars a year off the back of insecure girls, because deep down she's still that insecure fucking middle school girl who never fucking grew up.
1: Hey, and insecure 31 year olds that go to her concerts like me. Okay. Just, just don't 31 year old men. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) The point is that I think at the end of the day, there's something something someone said, um, and this struck home for me. This is actually kind of crazy, because this was a big deal. Like, uh, whether you like it or not, everyone was talking about this and saw this yesterday. More and, so and than so, the football or anything else. Yeah, My timeline so, is still flooded with nothing but Taylor Swift stuff. Yep, and now it's turning into that. jokes and memes, which is I funny. hate that. Don't um, don't
0: infiltrate my football, my sports bubble with your bullshit nonsense. I don't want it.
1: Point is, just hear me out here. The, the, the comment was made is she the most famous person in the world and then the argument was like well you have Barack Obama and politicians
0: like, aside probably well, well, well and that I was I don't know that, what her numbers do internationally though
1: i mean like I think, Me- I think i Messi... think she's done world tours for a long time yeah but she's seen in soccer player. or ronaldo
0: okay. is probably higher but
1: yeah but either way she's in, we're talking about right these people and yeah. so if one of them shows up to a different sporting event they are talked about in this, like, if all of a sudden Messi was at like the Dolphins game, chilling, watching, like, everyone would be like, Oh my god, there's Messi, no way, like, that's sick, you know what I mean? Um, and like, people would try and go meet him, and they'd have to have extra security and all that. Like, this tier of people, I, I don't envy them, I don't envy what it does because, like, you just looked at that, and to your point about the fans and everything, like, I was just they there, like, Man, I like you could tell she can't leave, she can't walk out normally, she can't, like. Go get a hot dog, like have a normal experience, and uh, not what was her because she's doing fine. But the point is, is that like that was going to happen no matter who, what the famous person is, like Barack Obama's up there showing him. I think the crazy thing is that we just never seen most elite, um, or not elite. I shouldn't say that, but famous these famous people we are talking about Biden, you know, presidents or or major stars of things have always been linked to sports in one way or another. Like, oh, you know, Obama's a Chicago guy. You know what I mean? Like, there's things yeah. you kind of know. Taylor Swift was like, yeah, she's from Philly. But, like, she's never just been on a, a game. She's not, she's, she's, not she's not from Philly. She's not from Philly. She's not from Philly. She's from, from Redding, Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. She's from oh Reading, Pennsylvania. We do no not form. accept You're her. not from Philly either, technically. All right. You technically true. But I'm a right?
0: suburb of Philly. She's like an hour and a half to two hours away. She doesn't yes, count. We but do but there's not nothing take her. Until,
1: until State College. Trust me, Pennsylvania's got nothing there. <laughs> she She, we do not accept her. She tried to charge the
0: Reading Phillies a million dollars to do the national anthem back when her first thing came up, even though it was her hometown team. Shitty. And she all used right. to sing the national anthem there all the time. Sorry. Have to bring that up. Objectively, like it's a fun story, right? It is fun. Like I can separate like my dislike for the Taylor Swift entirety, like bubble thing mm-hmm. for like seeing the bigger picture and realizing like, this is a cool thing. It obviously took over the headline but like, I don't know, man. Like it's, it's, it's just, I don't, I don't like it. I don't like it near my phone. It's like, I like, it's like, do you ever go to like a barbecue? Right. And they got the paper plates and you go get your paper plate and you go get in line and you get your hot dog and maybe some ribs and some coleslaw. And then the desserts are sitting right there. And like, you want to grab a dessert, but you're like, yeah, but I, I don't want my dessert to like touch the barbecue sauce or the ketchup. That's going to be, cause it's all going to be on the same plate. I'm like, yeah. I have my football. Okay. I can deal with the Taylor Swift thing. I, it's, if it's your thing, it's your thing, more power to you. I have my opinions. You got yours. Everything's good. Right. I just, I don't want that on my plate. I not for football, you know? And I, I think it is objectively funny. Like, I think it's going to create a whole, there's going to be a whole through line. Right. And they're going to date for six months. And then right before the Super Bowl. But the one thing I'll say is that if you're Andy Reid and if you're anyone on the Chiefs team, this isn't a good thing.
1: This no, it was, it was a cool thing, thing. but you do don't you want remember? her showing up every week. And yeah, no, no, no. no. Do you, do but you she's remember? Old. She's about to start an international tour. Like they are good for each other because they both have their own lives. To your point, this is a crossover that I don't sure. think we'll see a lot. sure. But. And playoffs? You don't think she's going to be there? Super Bowl? Uh, if they're dating, it not if she's again? performing internationally two times a week and all. I mean, over like the if, world. It, if
0: it lines on that same date, but like if she can be there, she will be there. You know, during the holidays, she's probably not going to be touring as much, right? Like during during uh, Christmas and stuff. And even if it is international, she'll be home for the holidays. She'll show up for a you know divisional round game. Mm-hmm. Like, do you remember when Jessica Simpson and Tony Romo were dating?
1: Yeah, I watched I had a I watched all of uh Newlyweds like that show. Uh my sister loved it, trust me. I knew everything about them, unfortunately. Right. So that was like
0: Jessica Simpson, big star, but like not like anywhere close to the level of Taylor Swift. And like Tony Romo, like quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys, famous guy, like starting to get famous. But then it was like Travis Kelsey, I think is even more famous now, or at least is on the same level as what Tony Romo was as the quarterback of the Cowboys. And this is still like those two together and how massive of a story was. And they always showed them in the box during Sunday night football games and all that stuff for the Cowboys. That is a like drop in the bucket compared to what Taylor Swift brings to your point earlier about how fucking super famous she is. So.
1: Ready for this? I just, I just cross compared her, her tours. So she's out in month of November, um, but she's, she's free until, February seventh, eighth, 9th, and tenth, she's playing four days in a row in Tokyo. Oh, um, and Sunday, February eleventh, is the Super Bowl, dude. So she, she can make it she there. she would one hundred percent be there.
0: The one uh, thing, I, the here's here's here. I'll, I'll, do, we'll play a game. We'll call, say, we'll call it, say something nice about Taylor Swift, Jeff. All right, all right, all right. So here's the here's the nice thing I'm going to say about Taylor Swift, Jeff. She. Her reaction to Travis Kelsey scoring a touchdown was legitimately like, all right, respect. Right? She's like, a, honestly, yeah, that was like "Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. Like, so many celebrities in that moment would be like, play it cool. Like, don't curse. All these cameras are going to be pointing at you. And she was like, fuck it. Let's fucking go. And yeah. I'd be like, you know what? I, I hate the girl, but she's got a point. <laughs>
1: right? You no, know? to your point. It, it's nice to see someone be a little real who you, to your point no like everything's on him but uh yeah anyway god i i just i think she after, gives, again- you know what
0: she gives me she gives me garth brooks vibes which is that at one point in time garth brooks was the most famous musician on the planet and he wrote that for a few years but deep down garth brooks is a crazy ass motherfucker and he's always been crazy and at some point taylor swift is re is at her pinnacle right now at some point something else is gonna come I think she's. I think she's similar to to kind of to Garth in that kind of way. We'll see. We'll see. But yeah,
1: I think uh, I think a Super Bowl is coming for her to go visit. That would be pretty really funny. Um, and if it's,
0: and if it's against the Eagles, is she going to do a split jersey like Mama
1: Kelsey, and they're going to be in the box, and all the girls see, are going to be like, "Oh, look wait, at her and
0: her future mother-in-law," and it's going to be the no, most cringe
1: bullshit ever. That halftime or the the half jersey Pat McAfee got. Mm-mm. It was he got the old one. Do you remember? It was. Uh, it was uh, AJ Hawk's wife and, and Brady Quinn's sister. Sister, yes. And so, so AJ Hawk said, "AJ Hawk said, my mom has it up in a like attic somewhere because it was, you know what I mean." And so he got that jersey and wore it to the Notre Dame yeah uh, how funny is that Ohio State game he was wearing that as like in the yeah Friday it's a legendary show. moment yeah legendary yeah moment. so funny and he just said he found it and got it and I, that's why I love Pat McAfee by the way he's so good uh anyway we've gone off the rails I love days like this well it, it was more fun than talking about the Chiefs Bears game so yeah. the actual football but World
0: a game World. that will be very fun to talk about The biggest upset of the weekend, the Arizona Cardinals knock off the Dallas Cowgirls. Sorry, Cowboys. (laughs) Sorry, genuine accident there. Um, This sucked for me only because I hate Jonathan Gannon. So I was like, well, if the Cardinals somehow win this game, that sucks. because It means that Jonathan Gannon did something good. And if the Cowboys win, then it sucks because the Cowboys win. So either way, my pride was getting dinged a little bit. But now that it happened, I'm, I'm happy that it was the Cardinals winning. Because, I mean, Jonathan it's still going to suck anyway. They're, they're, they're going on a few games. They'll be fine. They'll figure out something else. The Cowboys dropping a game to the Cardinals is a rough scene. Uh, yeah. Dak looked not good. Very little separation. Uh, I know the officiating, there was the no call on the PI that could have been different. It was on the same drive that Dak threw the interception on. But let's be honest, and Cowboys fans would never say this because they'll just focus on the, the missed call. This game was lost earlier than that. The Cowboys put them in a position where a bad call could affect the outcome of the game. The objective of playing football is to put yourself in a position where a bad call doesn't affect the outcome of you winning a game. You should win the game regardless. And the Cowboys far more talented. I know they lost Travion Diggs. That sucks. Um, He's obviously a really good player in terms Mm -hmm. of like making his plays. I still don't think he's the best pure coverage corner you'll see, but inarguable that the dude makes plays. So that bings, dings up their secondary. I know they had some offensive linemen out, but you were starting to see a difference. Like this team is struggling to run the football. They have through three games. They have not put together a good running game yet. The Cow- the giants game, you kind of have to just throw out the window window because of how weird that game was to start. And the fact that I think the Cowboys at that point were just way too talented, you know, the juice of Monday night, then week two, they hold on to a win and now they got the, the Niners coming up and I think in two weeks, right? Well, Cause they play, you. they play, yeah, they get new England this week. They play a, a jets team with, with Zach uh, Wilson at quarterback. So that was never a threat. The offense was able to play freely when they had to chase down a lead. They were pretty bad and they get new England and San Francisco the next two weeks followed by the chargers and the Rams and the Eagles. Like, that's a, that's a not easy stretch
1: there based off of how all five of those teams have played so far this season. I totally agree. This team, I mean, listen, they, they did run the ball decent, but to your point, if they're in, if they can't depend on the ground that much and run it most of the time and have Dak throw less than 40 times, like what was it two, two years ago or last year where he opened the year of throwing amazing and was going off. He hasn't looked like that. Um, now they've run the ball decent, but the defense actually just couldn't stop. And I'll tell you, the most impressive player in this game was was Josh Dobbs. Like seeing Joshua Dobbs just be efficient, he had he had a bunch of great runs. Uh, six carries for fifty five yards. Like he he had four incompletions all game. Uh, had a touchdown. Just did what they asked him to do. And this team ran the ball well. James Connor has been impressive. This line has been impressive against this Cowboys defense that everyone's been talking about um you know I don't know I just thought that the Cardinals showed me something I didn't think they were going to have all season the fact that they might be better than the Broncos or probably are is like hard to see but yeah Josh I saw him preseason he's with the Browns the dude is a good player and he he honestly in that game it was against Sam Howell they looked very similar and it was like wow both these guys are playing really well um and I thought it was just preseason but it's cool that to see it happening right in the actual NFL in the regular season um I don't know. This was a weird game. And to your point for everyone out there who thought the Cowboys were going to go on this amazing run, right. And be a one seed. You're just now hoping that um, they rebound from this game. Cause they looked bad in this game and they haven't looked great all year. I look, I mean, they looked great on that. Or, I'm sorry, the night 40, against the giants, yeah, but like the that 40. game
0: was so weird. Like, right. Like it was week one, the way it starts 17 or 14, nothing after a block kick return for a touchdown and a pick six, like, that's such an odd way to start the season. You have the momentum of week one and all that stuff. Like it just got out of hand. Like the same thing with like, we're talking about the Broncos, like it, the snowball effect where it just got out of hand and it's hard to rein it in once you get down that much that early. And but they the really Jets weren't game, able to, to do point. it. The Jets game, they looked decent against what we thought was going to be a really good defense. But again, it's playing carefree knowing you're going up against Zach Wilson. I, yeah. I agree with Josh Dobbs, like 17 and 21, like, throwing darts around the field, like, as a whole, looked pretty good. Like, I was pretty impressed. Um You know, the running game for them, 222 yards on the ground, like, that is where this game was 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 truly won. If you look at, like, the the drives that the, the Cowboys had in the second half of this game, it was field goal, turnover on downs, field goal, interception. They only had four possessions in the second half of this game. And, and two of them resulted in field goals. One was a 56-yarder – or, sorry, 56-yard drive and a 67-yard drive. Neither one of those was super impressive looking. They struggled and stalled out in the red zone. And then the turnover on downs and you have a chance to be down there in the red zone, 80 yard drive. You're right there. You turn it over on downs and then to have the big Dak play when you need them most, it it's, it's perpetually turning into, I know we make the joke all the time, but like it really is Kirk cousins type of stuff, man. Like when it's cruising, it looks good when it's slow and it's bad. And there's bad turnovers at the end of the game. It looks like shit. And the only difference between the two is one of them plays for the Cowboys, and one of them plays for the Vikings. And so when they play well, we hear about it all the time. Look how good the Cowboys look, look how good the Cowboys look. And we went through the same thing last year. And ultimately, like, yeah, the Cowboys were a good team last year. They weren't great. And the Vikings last year were a good team last year. They weren't great. And they both had a lot of luck bounced their way. Like the Travion dig stuff from – last season and the season before when he led the league in interceptions and still was was turning tons of turnovers like there were three or four of those in both seasons that were tipped balls you know that were he was in the right place at the right time and got the right bounce the turnover luck changes every single year could be the same it could be different you could get more it could get less but it it never stays consistent and for the cowboys like when Dak is asked to win games, I know there's all those stats about his fourth quarter wins and how he does in the fourth quarter, but there's, so does Kirk cousins. Like all these guys have like really good fourth quarter stats because it's just a passing league. Now this was a game against a, a Jonathan Gannon defense that in the two years, his defensive coordinator, Dak Prescott fucking owned when Dak Prescott was playing against J- uh, Jonathan Gannon, he owned that defense. And you go up against the less talented version of the same defense and you're unable to move the ball. I mean, yes 185 rushing yards tony pollard had a good day but like that was the only way they could move the football you know michael gallup was their leading receiver cd lamb gets held to 50 uh, receiving yards brandon cooks who's big off-season acquisition for them two catches for 17 and michael gallup had a good day but he's your three wide receiver and when a push comes to shove you can't always rely on that and uh, ultimately This is – I'm mad at myself because I toyed with the idea of taking the Cardinals with the points, but I was like, no, the Cowboys are too good. They're too good. You know, the defense is too good. And what I loved what the Cardinals did, and I think this is going to be a weak point for this Cowboys offense moving – or defense moving forward, is they bullied them at the line of scrimmage. Yes, Micah Parsons is really, really good, but when you have an athletic 350-pound tackle on the aggressive or you can design runs away from him and basically take him out of the game no matter where he's at, it makes it really hard for him to be as effective. And yes, you have to deal with DeMarcus Lawrence and stuff, but every offensive lineman wants to run block. They don't want to pass block. They want to get down and dirty and bully the guy ahead of them. And the Cardinals went all in on that. 30 rushing attempts to just 21 passing attempts. They controlled the clock. It was a really all-around impressive win. And what's crazy is we're in a universe right now where the Cardinals are like three or four plays away from being 3-0 and right now.
1: That's actually pretty wild. Um no, nah, I mean, there's not much else to say about this one. Like, God. Other it than was it's a weird great,
0: game. It's great to watch the Cowboys lose.
1: Yeah. That's why the last thing is, like, I think if you're not a Cowboys fan, especially after that 40-point, like, showing they had in the week one, everyone was like, I'm glad they're not as good as they think they are. <laughs> yeah, 100%. 100%. Uh,
0: all right, let's wrap up. We got one more game left. Steelers-Raiders. Ra- uh, the, the Raiders? Not that great at football. Josh McDaniels continue to Dude. do Josh McDaniels things. Um that. you get a chance to go down. You need you're down eight or down eleven. You gotta go for it on fourth there, but like at this point, like we've 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 been through this this thing
1: before. No, I think, yeah, I think they no, were. No, they down were down eight. eight. Sorry, yeah. they were down No, eight. you're right. It, which is just absolutely ridiculous. It's
0: one possession game either way. Why you're kicking a field goal is just
1: absolutely moronic. I, I just I watched that. So, I again, I told everyone, like, after yesterday, was kind of crazy. I actually went to bed. I woke up and watched, um, like, the condensed version of the second half, I, I, which seemed like where I needed to. And holy shit. Um, that was a moment where I was like, man, I'm really glad that that's not my coach, even though we just put up a set like got 70 points scored on us because that was a that's a play where you're looking you're like that's the leader of our team who's just objectively making bad decisions yeah. there's nothing else to say like you have to give your team a chance and again he didn't give his team a chance to just go for it It was only a few yards it's not like it was fourth and 19 and yeah. you knew like it's really low chance we're gonna take the field goal and just try an onside kick you gotta Maybe. you gotta trust your players man I, it was. It couldn't have been more than four yards. That was no. the most insane thing I've seen, I think, uh, from a coaching call. Uh, what the fuck, man?
0: Yeah, it's it's terrible. Um, on the other side, I think the Pittsburgh defense is really, really good. Quan mm-hmm. Alexander showing he's definitely still got some juice in him at linebacker. Uh, TJ Watt, like we said before, I mean, six sacks through three games, two more sacks last night. They forced three interceptions on Jimmy G, which is rare for Jimmy G. He normally doesn't turn the ball over. And it's rare to sack him in games. Like as a whole, Jimmy G doesn't get sacked a whole lot. And they had four sacks in this game. Um, Felt like the Pittsburgh team as a whole were able to kind of run the ball a little bit better than they had. Kenny Pickett, you know, did make mistakes, threw the ball where he needed to throw it, Um, hit a couple big plays. I still have questions. As we've complained about for years now, Matt Canada being the offensive coordinator of this team, he got a promotion within the pittsburgh steelers organization so mike tomlin can continually going against the grain uh as he is one to do but yeah i mean as a whole steelers two and one right now they're in first place they're in first place in the afc north based off the tiebreakers as it stands right now which is pretty wild considering how disappointing they look to kick off the season um but yeah kenny pickett's playing good football Najee Harris breaking off a couple of nice plays here and there uh, still love Jalen Warren. Uh, and they have the deep threat that kid Calvin Austin. I mean, he's fucking fast as all hell yeah. doing this without Deontay Johnson. So obviously you give a little bit of credit there. George Pickens four catches for 75 yards. You got the home run threats. You have the explosive stuff there. I think Deontay Johnson coming back will help this team a lot just to help open up some of the, the over the middle, the underneath stuff. Um, But it's that Mac Canada offense, which is get the ball out quick. It's run the ball or get the ball out quick. We're running a zone scheme. We're going to try to run the ball. If we can run the ball, we'll work some play action off of that. But they did some stuff with him last night that I really liked. Getting him out in space, letting him be mobile, letting him throw on the run. That's when Kenny Pickett is at his best. And when they did that, they were putting some drives together. Uh, Nice to see Pat Frymuth, one of your Penn State boys with a big catch, a big touchdown catch. So as a whole, I mean, look, the Raiders one and two. I, I I think we might have seen a matchup of two of the lesser town, the lesser good teams is a nice way of putting <laughs> it um, in week one between the Raiders and, and Broncos um, and the Steelers. It's we knew it was going to be a grind through some of these tough games. I'm hoping the offense looks better as the season goes on. That tends to be a calling card of Mike Tomlin that he gets his team ready to play throughout the season. Um, but Hey, two and one, the top of the division right now a division where, the Ravens are falling apart. The, the Browns lost their best offensive player and now have to rely on Deshaun Watson uh, to be a huge part of their offense, despite how good their defense is. And the Bengals feel like a little bit of a question mark, even though we've seen them do it in the past. We still haven't seen it this year. So I need to see the Bengals look a little bit better. But weirdly enough, like any a, a division that we all thought was going to be like really, really good top to bottom has quickly kind of fallen apart a little bit. And feels like it could be any four of those teams' as games. And, again, we haven't seen the Cincinnati and Rams game. That uh, game kicks off here in, in, a, in an hour or so. Um, so what happens there will, will be a big deal as well.
1: Yeah. Um, no, not not much to add on this game, but can I just mention, too, I don't like the double Monday night thing. We have the Eagles box and then the Rams Bengals. I just don't like Really? Them. I would rather have four games in the second window um, than have a second game on Monday night. That's just me. I would, too. Uh, I would too, yeah. but I do. I know like, my West coast people are also like four, four 15. It kicks off. They're at work still. I, I know they're pissed.
0: What's nice about the double Monday night game is that if one game sucks, you still have hope that the other game's going to be entertaining. Oh, that's good. I like that. I
1: like, you that know, like,
0: like yeah. Panthers saints sucked, but you know, Steelers and Bengals was actually kind of fun to watch and all the turnovers and everything and, and the defense carrying the day for the Steelers. So it's up. It's a, it's, it's a little bit of both. So I, I see what you mean. Um, all right, before we go, any college football quick rapid fire?
1: Uh, I'll just say this. Oregon, I think, is impressive. Um, I don't really care for the talk going back and forth. That team just on the field looked amazing. Um, yeah. But going into the last weekend, I, I didn't check. I was trying to report this, but um, see if it continued. The only teams going into last week without a turnover uh, were Penn State and Oregon. And yeah. I don't think either of them did again. They both played insanely well. Um, To me, those are two great teams. There's a lot of great teams still out there. We're early in the year. Um, The Ohio State win was kind of confounding. Like, why didn't Ryan Day run it on the fourth earlier? And he went for it at the end, finally, when they only had 10 guys and there's no one there. Yeah, that was a lot of word vomit. But for me, those are the big hitting points. And I think that Ohio State one is the one that, like, has probably grabbed the most attention. And that That, was at Marcus Freeman not having... You know, only having 10
0: yeah. guys on the field in the last play. I mean, you can't.
1: And can't and it was a that, defensive yeah. end that they ran right at. Like, yeah. I mean, they, they no only on had the three guys on the defensive line. Yeah. And they weren't uh, playing a three-four. Like they were a, just, on a fourth. Yeah. on a Fourth, fourth and in inches. Yeah. I mean, you're enough, at the goal whatever line. whatever it was, it was a last play and they're on the goal line. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah,
0: that was that was brutal. Um, I think I went one and four in my picks for college football this week. Uh, Bama with a good win bouncing back, Ohio State, obviously there win. Florida State with an epic win. That game was fantastic on Saturday against Clemson. Um, but, you know, the real storyline here, James Madison, Dukes, 4-0. And, I've, you Ooh. know, I don't know if you saw the clip that went viral, Pat Bev getting in on, on the the Dukes bandwagon here. Yeah. Uh, of the, the out-of-bounds no call. Uh, JMU flies out to Utah to play Utah State out of conference. The, the Dukes are up by, like, 18 points in the second half. And next thing you know, you know, here come the the Utah State. I forgot what their mascot is. The Utah State running back. And uh, there was a touchdown play where the running back very clearly stepped out of bounds that the Utah State head coaches, or or referees, and the Mountain West referees, I should say, uh, didn't call out of bounds. And some assistant got a picture of it from somewhere on his cell phone and handed it to Kurt Signetti. And Kurt Signetti, the head coach of the Dukes, shoved the – Picture right in the face of the of the ref, showing him how wrong he was, and the ref immediately like took ripped the phone out of his hands. Yeah, it yeah it was it was a wild wild scene of events. But the Dukes rightfully held on to win 4-0 to start wins over UVA. Uh, a they also they also Troy beat- is a good team too. Well, Troy won the Sun Belt last year because JMU yeah. didn't get a chance to play, and uh, JMU went to Troy, beat them in their place, and then goes out of conference and beats Utah. Stay out in the Mountain West. Uh, which is a solid program out there. So the Dukes 4-0, proving that last year was not just a, uh, a fluke. The Dukes are here to play the best team in the state of Virginia right now, the James Madison University of the Dukes, and it's delicious. You, The last time we played Virginia Tech, we beat Virginia Tech. Last time we played UVA, we beat UVA. I mean, that is fantastic. Now, Jamie will play Tech next year, uh, but, hey, we got a year. To be the kings of the the undisputed kings of Virginia, and uh, and then let's see if JMU beats them next year. Then that's two and zero within a year against the two other main schools in the state of Virginia and the Dukes rolling high. I love it in the uh, in the Commonwealth. So uh, all right, that's all we got for right now. Uh, we got another great slate of games coming up. Vito and I will definitely be on. Uh, oh, actually. Because I'm going to Colorado, I fly out Wednesday. Might have to be solo. We'll see if we can figure out a recording schedule. We haven't planned that out yet, but stay tuned for that. Either way, we will get the picks out there. I went three and zero in my locks of the week. Shout out to me, nice. Dolphins, Lions, Seahawks, all three hit. Uh, we'll see how the Mother Night games go, but I'm seven and six right now. Uh, Vito and Scotty did not send their picks in so uh, we have to make sure we do a little bit better of that here uh, moving forward but you got some ground to make up there Vito after week one you got two weeks without it so we'll get your picks in we'll get everyone's picks in we'll get you set for week four in the NFL and another great college football slate thank you to Vito shout out to Scotty hope he gets home safe uh, later on the week and we will talk to you guys on Friday as always take it easy